0: Listening to the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, recorded April 15th, 2020. Episode 87, Digital Board Game Battle Royale. The three best sites for playing board games online. Also, a review of Pulsar 2849 and a swath of digital games. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, episode 87, Digital Board Game Battle Royale, the three best sites for playing board games online. From Hamilton, I'm Sean, and live and direct from Windsor, Ontario, the Tabletop Bellhop himself, Moe I am the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge,
1: your RPG maitre d', answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. Let me put my years of game playing, event organizing, and game night
0: hosting to use for you. I'd like to welcome everyone in the lobby here on Twitch. We start live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash tabletopbellhop. Now, in
1: addition to our main topic of digital gaming tonight, we've got a review of a game we both actually played, which doesn't happen that often. That's Pulsar 2849 from CGE. In the Bellhop's Table Talk segment, we've got some online plays of Carpe Diem, Imhotep, Imhotep the Duel, Yinch, and a couple more, as well as physical plays of Pulsar, and i got a few games of King Mian with my girls. That's a kid's game from Ravensburger. We love interacting
0: with our listeners and viewers.
1: Each week, we're going to highlight some of our interactions with you fine folk. We'll share some feedback we've received, comments on our content, and maybe some gaming discussions we've been part of. We want to share what people are saying, both positive and negative.
0: We get better with your comments and suggestions. If you'd like to let us know something about the show, send your feedback to mo at tabletopbellhop.com and or sean at tabletopbellhop.com, that's S-E-A-N.
1: You can also hit us
0: up on social media. I
1: can be found everywhere as Tabletopbellhop, one word.
0: And I can be found everywhere as DarkElfLX. Up first, a comment from Emmett O'Brien regards to our Robotech RPG Tactics unboxing. This box went on sale a long time ago and I was able to pick it up. Even though I love Robotech, I got through putting together a third of the box and stalled. It was a lot of work to put the models together. A friend that's a big Warhammer 40k player was helping me and even he gave up. That said, I thought the rules were well done. If I ever got everything put together, I think I'd like the game. Definitely on my pile of shame.
1: Oh, well, thanks for the comment, Emmett. Uh, so far, you've gotten further than I have. I still haven't taken the time to try to put any of those minis together. Now, one thing I did learn online is that um, Palladium put out a PDF of better assembly instructions that came with what was in the box, which I'm told are pretty terrible. I downloaded those the other day, so I've got them sitting there, and I am still just tempted to try to live stream building some of those models. Though I think we're going to have to put the extreme tag back on from that. Now, what I would love to know, has anyone actually played this game? Like, has anyone actually made the models and played it? Because everyone I've seen talk about this game talks about what they got in the box and what their opinions are of that, but no one actually talks about the gameplay. Like, is it even worth the effort to put these models together?
0: Well, if uh, if you've put them together and actually gotten it on the table, let us know. Jeremiah Driscoll left a comment on YouTube about our five best versions of Monopoly. Jeremiah writes, as someone who hates Monopoly, this video was surprisingly informative and enjoyable. Encourage me to dig out that copy of Monopoly Deal I'd never played. I'll be trying to get my family to give it a try soon.
1: Well, thanks for the great comment, Jeremiah. Now, as I said, during that live show, when we were talking about Monopoly, yes, it was a bit of a joke. We were talking about Monopoly. It was April 1st, it was April Fools, but it was a solid article, like I did do the work. I actually stand by the game recommendations in that episode. They really are the best five versions of Monopoly out there and each one way better than the original game and worth actually checking out.
0: Well, another YouTube comment here, this time on our War of the Ring unboxing video. Specifically, Moe's comment about having a hard time telling the miniatures apart. I don't do birthdays says many people, especially those not so familiar with the books or movies, have trouble telling them apart. What many people do is paste the bases, paint the bases in the nation's color, or if that's too much, you can at least put them on a piece of paper with the name on it during play.
1: Great suggestions there. I don't do birthdays. Uh, Since posting this video, actually, and paying more attention to the game, I've noticed a number of posts online, in my Instagram feed, on Twitter, and so on, showing off their painted miniatures with painted bases. And often just the bases are painted. I've also seen that it looks really cool, people doing pennants that they've attached to the minis, as well as how to do it, like, fairly cheaply. Though that is obviously a bit more work. I personally haven't decided what I'm going to do. Probably the first time I play, I'll just play with what's in the box, with the base minis then maybe I'll decide to uh, commit to painting something. Painting bases is something I probably could actually sit down and get finished, as opposed to painting a full model nowadays. All right, well,
0: right now, perhaps unsurprisingly, some of our most popular content online are our various two-player mm-hmm. game suggestions articles. Will Foy on Twitter has some two-player games they love that we missed. There's always Tack from Cheap Ass Games, Games, mm-hmm. of the Ninth and Microbrewers from Greater Than Games, Avignon, A Clash of Popes, and Antelion from Buttonshy Games. Inhuman Conditions, Morels, and Jaipur from Asmodee, and Parks from Keymaster Games. Plays more than two, but great at two.
1: Wow, thanks for the, the significant list there, Will. Now, of all of those, I've only played bottom of the ninth, and I'm sorry to say that one just didn't do it for Deanna and I. I don't know if it's just we're not huge baseball game fans or what. Like, we had fun playing it. It's a neat game. It's well done. I love the way it's packaged, like the fact the scoring marker, the, the, the it sorry, not the scoring marker, the strike, strike ball marker is like a piece of gum. Like, they did they did a great job capturing the game, but, like, we had fun the first night, and I just never really felt a big desire to play it again. But what I will do, um, the rest of those games I'd love to try. Um, Something maybe we'll see if we can find some of them on the online sites we'll be talking about later and try some time checking out those games but we will be sure to put a link to each of those in the show notes if other people do want to check them out. Now I did add Fox in the Forest based on other people's recommendations and the fact that we played last week when Deanna and I played I did throw that on to one of our older two-player blog posts and I'm always looking for games to add to them. No way are our lists definitive but are the games I've definitely played and found to work really well at two player. And at this point, maybe it's possible to play them all, but it's probably not gonna happen anytime soon.
0: Well, I can definitely add a vote for Jaipur. While I've only played it online, it's a nice quick two player game that's got solid replayability. I know I've played it 38 times so far on BGA, and that's just between Eric and I.
1: Wow. Yeah, you and I have to sit down and play that. You'll have to teach it to me sometime, and then I'm sure it's worth adding.
0: Well, that's it for this week's comments. Thank you to everyone who shares, comments, and interacts with our content. Well, a couple of quick announcements before we continue. We keep growing with the support of fans like you, so please take a minute to subscribe, leave a like, hit the bell, or just leave a comment. We, like most creators, grow only by your interaction with us. Uh, the more people that know about us, uh, or the more people who talk about us, the more
1: people will know about us. We do appreciate anything you do to help spread the word. Uh, Sign up to receive Tabletop Bellhop weekly in your inbox. Once a week, I send out an email that recaps all the content we've created in the week previous, blog posts, new podcast episodes, videos, etc.
0: You can sign up at newsletter.tabletopbellhop.com.
1: All right, we've got an Origins 2020 update here. So earlier this week, Gamma, the people behind Origins, made the official announcement about Origins 2020. So they're doing two things. First off, they are running Origins Online. That is going to be an online gaming convention on the original weekend of the original event, June 19th to
0: 21st. There really isn't any information about this online con out there yet, so we currently have no idea if we'll be taking part in any way or not. Now, the other thing they've announced
1: is the physical con has been moved to October. October 7th to 11th. Now, I personally don't actually think things are going to be opened up and back to normal by then, especially with the border between U.S. and Canada, but time will tell. I couldn't agree more. Now, at this point, if Origins is going on, things have normalized. I can't tell you right now if we'll be there or not. It's just too early to tell at this point. Now, I'm assuming, for one, that if we were accepted as press before, we'll be accepted as press then. That might not even be true. But there's no way that I'm going to start booking hotels and planning a trip in October with everything that's going on in the world right now. And one more announcement. Yeah, so we talked about Fox in the Forest and the renegade games worldwide play day last week and i want to talk about next week so there was an event today unfortunately we did get to take part because i don't own bargain quest it sounded really cool it looks like a great game just not one i owned but i do know what they're playing next wednesday so this is on the 22nd of april they are going to be playing one of my favorite deck builders clank so part of this worldwide play day from Renegade is trying to get people all over the world to play the game at the same time. And that's noon PDT or 3 p.m. our time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Everyone sits down across the world, plays client together. And then Renegade's going to send out worldwide events, like things that are going to affect your game, which I think is really cool. So look forward to We'll, we'll live stream it. Deanna and I will play. Maybe we'll even grab uh, one of our daughters to play with us just to, to teach her the game. So we'll look to go live at 3 p.m. next Wednesday, April the 5th. 22nd. So yeah, April 22nd, we're going to do a worldwide play day Renegade Games worldwide play day of Clank the deck building game.
0: We start Wednesday nights at 9pm Eastern here on Twitch. And we love people who drop in and take part in our chat room, the lobby. If you're here live, remember to stick around as we continue the show after the double bell with more chat and some content that otherwise only our patrons get.
1: So what do we got talking about in the lobby today? I know we did have some technical issues getting the episode started, so there was some stuff in there.
0: Well, and we learned uh, right here live in our chat room that it was going to be Clank being played. Uh, And uh, it's up to you guys whether or not you want to take out the Sunken Treasures add-on that you've got uh, shuffled in there already.
1: So for anyone else playing Clank, it sounds like the same thing. They're looking for the base game, but if you've got expansions in there, you can leave them in and take them out. Totally up to you. So the other thing we did change, we did change the uh, position of the announcements during the show. We wanted to get them over with a little bit earlier, uh, mainly because when we finish the main topic, a lot of people take off on us, and I don't blame you. It gets to be kind of late while you're here live, but I wanted to make sure to get the announcements in so people know what we're going to be doing in the coming week, and I didn't want people to miss things like the fact we'll be playing Clank live on air um, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. So we have switched that up. If anyone's got any feedback for that, I don't see why anyone would not want to hear the announcements, but (laughs) if you mind... Let us know. Maybe we'll move them back. But I'm assuming it's a, it's overall, I think, for the best. So what we'll do is we'll be doing the same thing going forward with the announcements followed by a quick lobby check-in to see if anyone's had anything to say after our intro. And then we'll be jumping into our main topic, which we'll get to right now.
0: We're here to answer your game gaming and game night questions. You can send your questions to questions at tabletopbellhop.com or head over to tabletopbellhop.com and click on Ask the Bellhop.
1: Uh, social media works too. It's Tabletop Bellhop, one word. Now the best ways for questions come through the website, that way they get tracked and they go in my inbox. I'm not going to miss them. I'm not going to say no to a question asked anywhere online.
0: Tonight we've got a question that has been asked multiple times and that it's rather appropriate with so many people looking to scratch the gaming itch by playing online. The first time this came up was through the blog. Sigurd Langsteth who commented on our first post talking about how much we fell in love with Board Game Arena. Mm -hmm. Sigurd writes, you should do one of these for Yukata and Boataju too, and do a comparison after doing so.
1: Well, Sigurd isn't the only one to ask, actually. Red Meeple Ryan, who often joins us in our chat room, has specifically asked about the differences between Yukata and Board Game Arena. I've also seen similar questions on Twitter and Facebook as they come up.
0: So tonight we're gonna do a comparison of three online gaming websites, Board Game Arena, Yukata.de, and Boataju. So what these three
1: sites have in common over other online options, because there are more, there are quite a few more options, Um, and there's some, like, Steam-based things, like Tabletop Simulator, for one example, or just Steam-based games, where you could just, like, play Terraforming Mars, for example, is that these are, for one, all sites we can play 100% free. There is absolutely no cost to boot them up and play something. Now, there are some premium features on the sites, but they're free to play at least, or free to use at least in some way. Second, these are all browser-based games, sites and games. You don't need to download anything. You don't need to install Steam. Plus, it works on every possible platform. As long as you've got a web browser, you can play on these sites, whether that's on your PlayStation, your Xbox, your Roku, your phone, your tablet, whatever, you'll be able to use all three of these sites. So this is why we wanted to focus on these. So... Virtual tabletops is something we may leave for another topic, or if we cover it at all, but this is just looking at browser-based ways to play board games online. Also note, these are ways to legally play board games online. We do not want to encourage anyone to use any third-party sites that aren't actually licensing their games or don't have
0: permission to use them. So we're gonna try and look at the pros and cons of each site and highlight why you may wanna choose one over the other. One thing we should note, the three of us have all been playing these sites using on PCs using Chrome. The PCs are a varying power from older laptops to newer gaming machines, but we haven't tested compatibility with other browsers. Now, anything based on the Chromium engine like Chrome should be similar. And Firefox tends to be feature parity with Chrome these days. So I wouldn't expect anything else, but Safari, for instance, or an older I, um, in Microsoft browser, I couldn't guarantee everything would be exactly the same.
1: So I have tried them on Edge, and all three worked exactly the same on Edge, and I have used them on Chrome on mobile, which I realize is different than PC. So I have, I've definitely used Board Game Arena many times on my phone, but I did boot up each of them just to try it, to see how it worked, and I booted up on Edge to see if it would fix the problem we were having yesterday with one of the sites we're not talking about. And once I had that up, I figured, why don't I try the other three sites, and I took one turn on each just to see, and the, they, it was seamless. It was the same. Great. Then I went and cried because I booted up Edge.
0: and <laughs> didn't download a Chrome immediately, but... No, I didn't. Up. I already had Chrome.
1: So, yes, <laughs> I didn't just use Edge to download Chrome. So, first up, we're going to start with Board Game Arena. Uh, the main reason we're doing this, this is one we have the most experience with. Deanna, Sean, and I have been constantly playing games on this for, what, almost two years now?
0: About that, yeah. At least,
1: yeah. Where well, I had tried it before, but we got heavy into it two years ago. Um, Eric Franklin, fan of the show friend of mine from the old G Plus days is the one that got me into it. And then it spread as a way for us to play games with Sean, mainly because Sean is not local, as well as playing with some other people. We played with patrons. We have played with random strangers and so on. So Board Game Arena we're starting with just because it's the one that we know the best. So again, one thing to remember, all these sites are free. All of them are browser-based. You just go to Arena, all one word, dot com, and that's pretty much it, and you can start playing games.
0: And to be clear... While I do pay for a premium membership on Board Game Arena, and I do actually have a coffee mug and t-shirt from Board Game Arena, I paid for all of those out of my own money because I support the site. Um, And so we we can uh, just sort of have that out there as an announcement. They have not in any way sponsored us or paid for us. I really just support them.
1: Yeah, so this is true of all three sites. We this is not promotional material. This is not sponsored content. We have we that this is all our thoughts, and any amount the, the any premium accounts we have we paid for ourselves. This is not sponsored content. These are our thoughts and our thoughts alone, though that's always true even if it is sponsored content. But in this case, it's not. Alright, so we're gonna start off with the pros for board game arena. So one of the most impressive things on board game arena is their number of games. They have 175 games. Now, yes, compared to Whatever, a uh, hundred thousand, over a hundred and eleven thousand games that are out there. I had to do the math on that the other day because of someone on Facebook arguing silly things. I'm sure everyone's seen it. The the there are four hundred board games post, but anyway, um, really like hundred and seventy five of some of the best games. Like it's a it's a good selection of games. It's a good mix of lighter games, uh, Euro games party games like they're all there there's even some social deduction games it's, it's a nice broad mix but i don't see a lot of our um america games like you know there's no real heavy dice rolling dungeon crawling it's it's definitely more the the german euro side of things
0: but there's nothing there's nothing especially heavy i mean like no roll for, roll for the galaxy is is heavy on that, you know, Roll for the Galaxy, Terra Mystica. Terra Mystica is probably the the heaviest heaviest, games on that site.
1: Uh, One of the benefits is you can create public or private games, so you can play with anyone. Like, you can just set up a table, say, hey, I got room for four, people can join you. Or you can be like, I'm setting up a table for three, and I'm inviting these three people. It's a nice touch. Uh, you get tons of access for free. Like you get to do most of the things on the site. There are some premium games you don't get access to, but we'll get to those with the cons. But one of the pros is they have a super cheap premium membership.
0: So 25 bucks US per year is their their main membership. And with that, you get voice and video chat, which we've never actually even used. Yeah, well, uh, We're
1: going to get to that later. Yeah. We're going to actually break down the subscription models for all three of these sites after. Just to, so we don't repeat ourselves. So cheap membership. Um, if you know someone with a premium account, so this is an awesome thing, is they can then invite you to all the stuff. Like if as long as one person in your group has a premium account, they can start any game on the site. So if you could split that twenty-five bucks, if you really wanted to.
0: There's uh, if if two people want to play from the same place, needs to be a premium.
1: Uh, there are game rules and tutorials and lots of tool tips. If you mouse over stuff, you get tool tips. If you click on stuff, you can get it. The game rules are all linked. Yeah, or, or even just at the bottom of the page, if you scroll down. Even includes a lot of player aids and strategy tips. So it's not just the rules. Like if you scroll down on any game, you may not have done this if you use Board Game Arena. There's often like little strategy tips or how the buildings interact or tech trees. A lot of that's fan-created content that didn't come with the original games. I was really impressed by that.
0: Uh, there are also game options right there on the page. If you scroll down, you can uh, click through. And credits and sound options are also right there on that game screen, right where you start.
1: Uh, one thing I do really like on that site is the games look like the games. They're, they're not abstract versions. In general, I think every game I played on Board Game Arena looks like the original game.
0: Now, they aren't scans, but no. they do represent very accurately, the actual things. And that's, in that's in one... some
1: cases, I think they probably got the art from the companies. Yeah. Like they got the actual yeah. board game board art instead of, or the absolutely. card art. It's, it's yeah, definitely no, not absolutely. scans.
0: It's, it's great art that looks like the game, mm-hmm. feels like the game, but doesn't feel like an object with a scan picture yep. pasted onto it.
1: Uh, It does some of the work for you. It is not just a virtual tabletop. It's not tabletopia. It's not just, here's the board. You get to do what you want with it, manipulate it, and you have to know how to play the game. Like, knowing how to play the game helps, but it does a lot of the work for you. It's going to move your pieces. You're just going to click on a spot. It's going to deduct your resources. It's going to tally your score. It's going to shuffle the cards, all of that fun stuff.
0: Yeah, the scoring is one of the big things where you, you don't need to know how to score the game or if you always make mistakes, you know, it will handle that for you. There are some games where scoring is just a little weird and you don't got to, you know, even just things like calculating score for um, Takedo can mm-hmm. be tricky. And, you know, with all the bonuses that, that that tally up at the end and it handles all that for you, you know, when you hit the end, And when the last person hits the end, all those bonuses add up, it shows them all to you. It's got a really nice uh, list of all the actions that have been taken. And you can click on those actions and replay the game from that point to see what you missed.
1: A nice touch too is 99% of it's animated. So you can kind of like see the pieces move. In a way, like if you get coins, you can usually see them come off the side of the board into your pile kind of thing. Like there, there's a bit more to it. Like when you watch the end game, you can see the various areas that are being scored. Like for example, we play Terra Mystica, it'll highlight the different player colors, who's getting like the, the majority bonuses for the, the area control at the very end yep. of the game. Or or when you're doing the various um the the elemental tracks. It'll show like who got what points and the nice bright bold colors.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And now one of the other really nice things about how this looks is even though the games are represented by their own, their own art, there is a continuity across the site about how it looks. So buttons... That aren't necessarily part of the game, but but integrated with the way playing of the game, look similar. You know your button styles are the same, and, and so even though the games themselves are different and feel like the game, so Takanoko feels like Takanoko, Takaido feels like Takaido, Sushi Go feels like Sushi Go, uh, Teramisca feels like Teramisca, that they also all feel like they belong on this same site.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a real nice like all all the games work the same. They're not the same game, but you have the same basic system. And same with if you want to find the rules, are always in the same place. You want to find the reference materials in the same place. You want to chat; it's always in the same spot. You want to add notes; it's always in the same spot. And yes, that sounds like it should be that way, but there's a reason we're mentioning that as a bonus here.
0: Yeah, no, this is this is they 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 have uh, spent some time and and really kind of made the site a cohesive mm-hmm. design.
1: So along with that, uh, what I find intuitive and easy use iconography like everything just kind of makes sense like the notepad looks like a notepad the the look at the rules like it it's it just the, the icons they choose make sense now there are a lot there's there's a lot to learn there's definitely a learning curve but what they use works and again it carries over from every game like it, Now it's going to be the same symbols yeah
0: now there are some things that that may not be as obvious at first um for instance carcassonne if you're placing a meeple down you have to make sure you choose the right meeple before you choose the place, you yep. can't choose the place and then choose the meeple. Uh, and that can catch you up. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. again, but you're you're clicking on a meeple that you want. You're not, it's not, you know, clicking on a box that says meeple or, or something yes, strange. you
1: literally click on the meeple. It's a
0: meeple. <laughs> so uh, one of the other really nice things about it is they are actively working on the site. Just within the last week, they have added an entire XP system to the to the website so now you're gaining xps and getting new achievements for the game gamifying yep. the games uh gamifying the gaming of games uh yes. they're on bga and so that and they're adding new games regularly they have just now i've never experienced this but they've just upgraded this whole arena section and you know sort of competitive play section on the site and they are Actively developing it, and that's one of the nice things that comes from having that premium content mm-hmm. or that premium of the ability to play pay premium membership uh, to fund their coding development.
1: Yeah, it's like even since we joined, there's been a, like there's always a new game at the top of the page that they're play testing. General, generally,
0: once a month, uh, I think is their release their general release schedule.
1: Plus, yeah, there's all kinds of neat, like the, the achie- it's the Xbox thing, right? The, you, you earned an achievement and I, I like those. I always have, I don't know why they're, they're addictive. They set that little, you know, dopamine thing going off going, Ooh, I played 10 games of Terra Mystica. I get a little badge I can display. Yep. Cool enough.
0: Yeah. So, uh, next up, one of the other, one of the things that's, now this is actually a positive and a negative yeah. is you don't have to finish your turn when you make your move and then you just move on to the next game. Uh, which which is nice. Unfortunately, what also comes with that is you can't undo. Yeah, uh, that,
1: that gets to my biggest con, which we'll get to in the cons. But yeah, once you do your move, it just jumps to the next move, the next section, the next piece, the next whatever. There there is no review. There's no oh wait that's not what I wanted to do. I personally I don't know if I consider this a pro.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a hit and miss. Uh, yeah, but again. Other other things uh, on the site, they have tournaments. So there's active, uh, you know, again, active competitive gaming as well as, you know, what we do, which is basically just sort of hobby gaming and, and gaming for fun. There are competitive tournaments. And with those competitive tournaments and to help you find players better, there are ELO rankings, yeah. which is a way of basically scoring how good you are at a game uh, for every player and every game, every player for every game. You can find their yellow ranking. And when you're starting a game, you can limit mm-hmm. who's allowed to play. So if you're a 200 player, you can say, I don't want any thousand players jumping into my game and stomping all over us because they've figured out, you know, the way to win the game.
1: Oh, that's a great one. It's, it's good for the opposite, too, whereas if you are a good player, there are definitely games that reward player experience and games that are more fun when they're played with people that know the game. Puerto Rico is probably the most well-known, well-known classic game where it, it hasn't been solved but there are it's like playing playing blackjack where where you're sitting matters well in puerto rico there are certain actions that people expect you to do if you're all playing well and players who play at that level get really frustrated when a new player comes in and doesn't follow the the scripted pattern personally it kind of drives me nuts but because of that yellow rating i can go in and go i want to play puerto rico and i want to play with people with the same ELO rating as me and know that we're all going to be on the same page
0: right yeah, no, it's a it's a huge benefit when you're setting up those tables, uh, and it's a nice little thing to be able to brag about for some people. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> now, to be what, honest, yep. I have no clue what my
0: rating yeah. is on anything. I don't pay <laughs> any attention to it. But... It's there. Oh, yeah, that's how. We, that's not how we play. We're not on the yeah. competitive uh, streak. No. Now, the next other thing, if you are a stats person and you mm-hmm. do really crave that information, with without with the free membership, you get some level of stats about how each game plays. But if you get that premium membership, the detail with which they break down all the games and yeah, the average, like you, the it's it's really shocking. Uh, for instance, one of the last ones I looked at was Takedo because I played a lot. And it gives you a breakdown of in games you've played, people who win generally do this. And you've done this, you know, this landed on this, this many times in this percentage. And just the amount of depth to be able to analyze your gameplay that is available on that website is really staggering.
1: Yeah. Plus, this is another one that if you are a game publisher or designer, you can look at these stats for everyone who's played the game. So if you want to see if there's a strategy that everyone seems to prefer or a card people use more often than others, or if there's even just what player colors are picked is tracked so you can actually find out these trends. Uh, personally, I think it's an invaluable thing if you're a publisher or designer to look at, not necessarily for your own games even, but to look at other people's games or other games with similar themes than yours, just to see the biases that people have.
0: Absolutely. And you can also see things like, you know, what, uh, which options people are setting. Because when you're setting up a game, you can use different expansions if they're available yes. and whatnot. Um, and yeah, so that's okay. something
1: that when you set up a game, it is extremely easy to remove or add in expansions. And most of the games on there have the published expansions that are out. Not necessarily 100% up to date, but at least if it's come out in the last five years, it's probably on there.
0: And they're even working on more things. Uh, just recently, they announced... That they added the map for Fire and Ice on uh, Terraform or not Terraform Terra (laughs) Terra Mystica now, but they haven't been able to add the full expansion yet because it just takes again development time and effort to put all that content in there and update the game. But that being said, if you are a game developer, they do have a system for putting games in, and you can work work with them to get your games put in. Uh, and then our, our last little one, again, we mentioned this uh, before, is uh, it's totally legal. Uh, so the games are all legitimate and you don't have to worry about whether or not you're really okay to be playing all these games online for free. <laughs> yeah, you are, because they have the permission of the, dev- the designers and developers yep. for the games.
1: Which is excellent. Which is one of, one of, you don't have to feel guilty playing these games. So some cons. Um, there is a subscriber system. It is not one hundred percent free. You don't get access to all the things for free.
0: Yeah. And again, if one person is a subscriber, you do get access to pretty much all the system yeah. all, all the games for for free, as long as that one person has paid. Uh you don't need to be a subscriber yourself.
1: Correct. So. The one that did hurt us is because Deanna and I live together. If you are not a subscriber, you can't have two people from the same IP play in the same game. So that was a big disadvantage for us. Now, again, subscriptions are cheap. As long as one of us has a subscription, we're fine and I th- and we can do it. But if neither of us had a subscription, we wouldn't be able to play together. Deanna and I just couldn't play without, well, we could spoof our IPs or something, but generally we couldn't play. Yeah.
0: And now this is a protection that the site has put in to prevent people from playing themselves and upping their ranking. Again, because there are competitive games there, there is the ability for people to try and cheat. And this is an anti-cheating mechanism that's been put in place.
1: It's fair, I just, it's yep. frustrating in a way. It is frustrating um, and it
0: does it does announce though. So if you are joining a game where people are playing from the same IP, it tells everyone involved that yeah. there is someone playing from the same, you know, two people playing from the same IP so that you are aware that, you know, could be. There's a potential
1: we're cheating or something, yeah. yes. Um, you can't play all the games without subbing. I did find this frustrating, I will admit, because some of the best games, of course, are behind the paywall. But there are tons of great free ones. But again, same thing we've mentioned many times. Just make friends with someone who has a sub and get them to start the game for you.
0: Yep. Now, one of the other problems that has just come up recently because of the current pandemic is you can't actually get in or you have to wait for things. Uh, Before the uh, COVID-19 epidemic, they had an average of about 5,000 people online at their peak time. Last time I heard, they were up to 25,000 people on at peak times. And subscribers get first chance in. Yeah. So... If you're not a subscriber, there may be a waiting time or even an inability to do something at certain times when uh, when it's all tied up.
1: Now they are doing a great job of upping this. Like when they first started, when when everything hit and their numbers spiked, they they had a hard time. It, yeah. The site was not doing well, but we were literally watching it go up by the thousands of live users. Yeah. Like, you could watch it, we'd be playing it like, oh, another hour's gone by. Look, they, they're now allowing another 500 people in. Like, they must have really scrambled and did some impressive work they to did. get up to the 25,000 they're up to now. Yeah, and the, it's probably the, higher.
0: Yeah, the fact the fact that they've that they've been able to scale as fast as they did yeah. really says some wonders about their, their dev team and their IT uh, department and, and what they've been able to do and their servers and their hosting. So earlier we mentioned
1: the interface is pretty solid, that it's the same through all games, but it's definitely not the best. There Things aren't always intuitive. Uh, Sean pointed out the Carcassonne thing earlier. I know how many times I wanted to play my big meeple and I played a normal size meeple because I clicked on the wrong thing. Yeah. I know I've clicked on something when I meant to scroll the screen. There, It's not always intuitive how to do what you want to do in the games.
0: Yeah, Uh, and every once in a while, while we talked about the uh, the consistency of things, sometimes that's actually a problem. There'll be times when there are two white buttons with blue text, and one of them is pass, and one of them is play these cards. Uh, In Haggis is my is, (laughs) and and there is a time when you you click on the cards you want and you slide your mouse up and just quickly hit, and you hit pass instead of play these cards. And as we said, there is no That's finished turn. Biggest one. Yeah. So you've done it, and there is no going back. Sorry, you played the wrong thing.
1: That uh, That is my biggest complaint about Board Game Arena that there is no undo. Now, there are exceptions. There are a couple games that have it. For example, Through the Ages has it, but that's actually a rule in the game that when you're playing the physical board game, you're allowed to get to the end of your turn and go, you know what? That didn't work. Let's back everything up and try again. So I think it's only in there because it's part of the actual game. You, in general, cannot undo. And I don't know how many times I have come close to throwing my PC out the window because I clicked on the wrong thing. I hit the wrong next. I, I spent too much of my power in Terra Mystica when I shouldn't have like yeah. uh, race for the galaxy at the beginning of the game. Here's one that drives me nuts. Talking about interface all the way through the game. You click on a card to just dis- to play it. At the beginning of Race for the Galaxy, you click on which ones you want to discard. And I don't know how many damn times yeah. I have discarded the cards I wanted to keep at the beginning. And then I'm like, oh, I don't even want to play. I,
0: yeah. Oh, I, I, You I'm know so what? We just started a new game of, of, uh, of Race for the Galaxy. And it took me so much longer to pick the cards I wanted. Because every time I clicked on something, I had to check and reread and make yeah. sure that I was choosing the one I wanted you know the, the right one, yeah. That I was choosing the ones I wanted to discard and not the ones I accidentally wanted to keep because I've done the same thing. It yeah, in, in that particular instance, it's a weird mechanic that and they've chosen the opposite to go of with the
1: rest of the game. Every yeah. other time, you're clicking on what you want, not what you want to get rid of,
0: yeah. Uh, but uh, other that being said, the consistency generally is again fantastic. Now, yeah. one thing we've run into is when you're starting a new game, it hasn't always, it doesn't always feel like you're doing the right steps. Like you need to, even if you're starting a private game, you need to set all the people up and then yes. open the game to the public, which it doesn't actually do, but it feels wrong hitting that button. And so that's that's been sort of a, a weird quirk that we've noticed. And, and sometimes we've ended up starting games wrong and having to kill them and start over again.
1: Yeah, there's some weird things when you set up a table too, you have to wait for everyone to show up and be online and accept. Yeah. And if you don't, you close the window. It doesn't create the table. Or if you hit start the game before everyone's accepted, it starts up without everyone there. there. There is some funkiness in yeah. setting it up. Yeah. Now, another but, con we've mentioned uh, pretty much every time we talked about Board Game Arena is there's not a good platform for learning games. So, yes, the rules are there. But there's no tutorials there's nothing that walks you through where to click how to play how the buttons work actually there isn't anything for the entire site even there's not even like a walkthrough that shows you how to set up your first game that would be very useful if there was uh, there probably is a document somewhere you could read but like there's no nice tutorial like click here then do this and like the first time you beat up terra mystica if you've never played terra mystica you're gonna be looking at the board going i don't know what to do and interestingly enough the way that game works is you click on what you want to interact with instead of here's a list of the eight actions that are possible and pick one. So that's it's, it's not necessarily intuitive. Whereas if you played the game before, you're like, oh, I want to build a house there. So when I click there, it obviously is going to terraform and build a house there. So there is definitely a learning curve to every game. And I've had the problem where I've even played the board game before. And sometimes it's the idiosyncrasies of figuring out how the interface works. Like, yeah. I know I can do this in this game. How do I do it?
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. There's, again, because every game is implemented uh, within that, the constraints of their system. Again, we've said it before, they all look similar. Like, they all look like they belong there. And in order to do that, some choices have to be made in the development of the game. Uh, And so those choices do feel a little strange to someone who's played the game regularly, maybe. Whereas if you do learn the game on Board Game Arena, somehow... And again, yep. you know, learning learning games there is hard. I've said it myself many times. Uh, if you do learn the game there, you may not be as well off playing the game in person sure. as regular because things don't behave the same way. They aren't laid out the same way as they are on BGA. All
1: right. I think that's probably enough of a board game arena. So some of the stuff we said here is probably going to apply to all of the sites we're going to talk about. So we're probably not going to repeat the ones that are just the, the same type of thing. Like we said, we mentioned already before, they're all legal. For example, they're all browser-based, they're all basically free. So next, we're going to move over to Bois d'Ajou. is obviously a French site. Um, that is a both a pro and a con. If you speak French, it's a pro. It can be a con if you speak English, but only if you really dive into the forums. Or if you really like chatting while you're playing your games. Because that is a feature of all the sites we talked about, as far as I know. Actually, I'm not sure on the last one. There is online chat available while you play the games. So the best thing about Bois de Joux, of course, is it's free. Just like the other ones. Um, games are not limited by premium status. Well, I found out after the fact that it was. Because I didn't realize when we were playing, we were gifted free premium. From yeah. what I can tell... Premium does not give you access to any more games. So whether you have a free account or a premium account, you get access to all 61 games.
0: Yep. So it's it's an interesting one. Uh, the the premium status, uh, honestly, I don't think I would play on what has you without premium status. Um, it, now again, it,
1: we're going to dive into exactly what you get for the premium. Yeah.
0: Games. So it's, it's interesting. But again, yeah. not everything is free. There is not that. Is uh, yeah.
1: But you can play all the games for free. Every game has its own forum, which is kind of you can tell the you can tell the site's based on BoardGameGeek. Like it just kind of it, it it has BoardGameGeek roots. So every game you can join in a forum and there's people having discussions and rule debates and everything else, though I did notice those forums are mostly in French. So yes. pro or con, either yeah. way, most people I noticed do post in both languages, which is nice of them.
0: And the other nice thing is if you're working in Chrome, it's really easy to translate yep. to your language of choice. Uh, you know, highlight and right-click, and you can <laughs> translate. Uh, now, one thing you'll no- we'll notice about uh, BoisJu, and it's Uh Yes. Uh, we haven't mentioned that before, but uh, the game list is quite different than yeah. what we see on BGA which is a which is a definitely a bonus you know having that variety between multiple sites yep. yes if they were all the same games on BGA this would be easy we'd just say okay we like this one better so
1: yeah, right. <laughs> that 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 is part of what we, what our final thoughts. We'll get to what there are a lot of, which I thought was interesting. Is if you like the GIF series of games, which is a series of abstract games, that can be played separately or all combined into a massive game. They have like all of them. That seems really popular for abstract games. Or our games are overlapping, um, but a lot of very different games. Like the sixty one games they chose are a very unique blend of games and much heavier games. There, there are a lot more heavier options there, I noticed, than in the others. Yep. So one of the things you could do here is create public or private games. As a pro, that's great. I can do both. As a con, you can only do that if you're premium status.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, and starting games, they they uh, are very community forum driven. One thing you'll notice uh, is it's interesting. While the site is, again, BGG uh oriented, it's based off of, they were very inspired by. Yeah. When you click the forums, even though it may, it seems like everything would look the same because they are <laughs> based off of a forum site, it's a bit of a shock because all of a sudden you're in PHP BB. Yeah. So the, the, the a completely separate site, essentially, uh, that is a forum, you know, bulletin board site. Um, yeah,
1: and it looks like like if anyone was on my old Windsor Gaming Resource forums, that's what it looks like. You're yeah. on your your pro boards, right? Your free yeah. forums.
0: Absolutely. Now you, the login is the same. You don't have to re-log in. They they've linked that very nicely. So they've done the integration well. But it is a bit of a shock to go from what is Boisageux to the Boisageux forums, which are just yeah. clearly a different site.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is almost disorienting. And again, the the forums are crazy. There is like a forum for every game, and they're active, and they're busy. It's almost like a second Board Game Geek yeah. for those 61 games. And my, my assumption is probably for the French fan base, that's where they go and talk about their games instead of Board Game
0: Geek. More than likely.
1: So uh, when you create an account, you get to try the premium status. And they don't tell you this, they don't warn you, so I didn't even realize at first that we were on it. But you get 10 days premium free when you join. So it's kind of misleading because it's a bit of a bait and switch because if you don't realize you have it, 10 days later, you're going to be like, wait a minute, why can't I invite friends?
0: Yeah. And now one of the, some of the, I think we're going to sort of shift into cons a little bit here. Uh, With that subscription, you actually get some interesting things that are nice, but to not have them when you don't have the subscription is kind of horrifying. Uh, So in, for instance, you cannot control what email they send you if you aren't a premium member. And the default is every turn in a game, every game start, every game end, all come to you. Uh, and then, yeah, friends are another thing, whereas you cannot have a friends list yeah. if you don't pay for it. And um, you can't
1: just hit tables with your friends. So I can't set up a game with Deanna and Sean, and we can't play together on Poteju without premium.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and then as well, you can't customize the website, which is a pretty big deal because the website isn't really all that great. Uh, Now, when I say customization, this is a lot like the old Board Game Geek customization. So you can shift things around, move them, and reorganize the site to fit what your needs are so you don't have to see this chat if it's not applicable to you.
1: Uh, So another con that I found was... The only way to read the rules was to go to an outside link. Basically, like some of them were hosted on Joux, but they weren't there while you were playing a game. There was no way to have the game up and look at the rules. You couldn't scroll to the bottom. You couldn't open a window. Or, well, you could open another window, but like you couldn't. It, it, there was no pop-ups. There was absolutely no coaching rules in the interface. It was bang. Here's your game.
0: Yeah, and that's and it. When you actually look at the games list on Joux, it gives you a picture of what the layout looks like. Uh, and We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the, a link to the rules, wherever they may be. Uh, a ra- The rankings, you can check out the rankings. Yeah. The official website, and then it, it links you to Board Game Geek right yeah. there. It's like, if you want to know about this game, go over to this other website and find out there, uh, yeah. which is an interesting choice.
1: Then, as Sean kind of alluded to there, the quality of the games are like so diametrically different like some look absolutely horrible we played a two-player abstract game that should look great online because it should be so simple to design it to look good online because right. it's an abstract that it has rings and circles and a board with dots on it like that's all it needs and it looked terrible and every time you clicked it had to reload the page and then when it reloaded the page like there was no animation you had to try to figure out what your opponent just did. it was
0: horrible yeah. and at that point it it felt a lot like a high school HTML Yes class. Like a lesson. Yep. Um, you know, it if and it's again, it's really simple. It's it's lines and circles and Yeah.
1: They <laughs> it, and at that point I was almost ready to give up on Bois de Joux just after trying that one game. I'm like, wow, like this this doesn't even compare. But then I'm like, Sean, you know what, pick another game, let's play something else. He's like, you know what, Dungeon Lords, looks like a cool theme. So he brings up Dungeon Lords and I'm like, Oh my god, it looks just like the board game. It looks fantastic. Like there's the different boards. It's laid out better than I could do it on my own table. The interface is actually excellent with lots of prompts. Like, Hey, do you want to do this or this? Oh, do you want to do this? Oh, we're going to do this now. Like it walked you almost walked you through how to
0: play. And there were were warnings. If you were, if you were about to make a drastic mistake, it popped up and said, are you sure you want to click this button without having chosen something else? Yeah. Uh, You know, it helped you. It was great. Yeah. It was an excellent implementation. It really was. <laughs> it really was. And and that, that kind of reeled us back from our what are we doing on this site feelings.
1: Yes. Yeah. like that alone. I like If you like Dungeon Lords, join Bois de Joux just to play Dungeon Lords. Because wow, like great implementation. So a huge range of good to bad on the quality of the games. I, I tried a couple others. I clicked a couple buttons. We'll talk about some specifics when we get into the week in review. And there were good and bad ones, but just... The one thing that matters though is unlike Board Game Arena, not every game looked like every game, not every game felt like every game, and not every game controlled like every game. It was like every single one was developed independently.
0: Yeah. It's all, it's, it's, it, it very feels much like I said it was, you know, a high school project. Maybe it was, and someone just, yeah imported that into BoitAge, and then you've got some other people who are real developers who have developed something and linked that into BoitAge. It very feels like a piecemeal, you know, passion project collection yeah. of games. And this is interesting because, again, this is another site that has premium membership. It is taking in money, um, you know, and and it's not 100% clear where the money is going to on Bois. <laughs> yeah. So... My feelings are the site is very dated. This is the old Board Game Geek. This is not the new Board Game Geek redesign that they've been slowly working through. (laughs) Uh, The color schemes and fonts are not well done. Uh, Readability is a problem, even for someone who doesn't have visual disabilities. Uh, Icons are tiny. I would not want to try and play this on a touch surface because some of the things you need to click through just to get into a game are tiny little like mouse pointer-sized Icons. uh It's it, it. Yeah, the the lack of unity is a major drawback, in my opinion, to the experience on Boisage. You're course. gonna go to Boisage if you like the specific games that are only mm-hmm. available there.
1: Yeah, it's also worth knowing some of the games don't even look like the games. Like they're not scans of the games. They're not icons from the games. They completely abstract abstracted. One of the games we tried playing like yes i could tell it was that game but it was so abstracted that it it, it, like i said it wasn't the actual board it wasn't the actual colors it wasn't the actual pieces and the other one that's important to note is twice while playing i've had it literally just crash on me like the site literally would not load it started giving where you're having technical difficulties so i don't know maybe i just happened to get there when they were doing a patch or something but the fact that it crashed at all is something I've never actually even seen on Board Game Arena. I may not be able to get in because it's too busy, but yeah. I've never seen it just literally shut down.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, now I, I will say the opposite again. I play on Board Game Arena a lot more often, uh, and I have seen problems. But when you have a problem on Board Game Arena, the admins jump into a global chat, warn everybody that something is happening, apologize for it, and often uh, take away penalties. We're offline.
1: Or something we have stopped.
0: Okay. I'm not seeing any problems. (sighs) I don't know. I I got nothing wrong. Um, But yeah. So again, it's uh, BGA may have problems, but the admins are right there telling people about it.
1: Yep, Which is great. All right. Just going to pause just for a couple seconds before we get into Yukata. So overall thoughts on Boataju. Not nearly as impressive. But... It's got some games you won't find anywhere else. I will say that registering, signing up for an account was dead simple. I didn't have to give them anything except an email address. So if you're worried about people getting that, just make a Gmail account and, you know, or a Hotmail, whatever you use for making spam accounts. I assume everyone else does that. I do that. I have a Hotmail account specifically for registering for sites. I don't want sending, I'm knowing my main email address. Um, we were, there wasn't, you didn't even have to verify your email, which was surprising. Like you literally, you signed up and you could log in right then. Yeah. Um, it, It's ugly. It's really ugly. And some of the games are ugly. But then we played Dungeon Lords and it looked great. So I wouldn't say amazing. Dungeon Lords, uh, the, reading the trap cards was very difficult. Yes. I, I could figure out a way to blow those up.
0: Fonts on this site are very poorly chosen. That is a, a, a theme. That is one unified theme. Yeah. All
1: right. Tech saying we look good. So we'll continue on. So that was it for Bois de Joux. Finally, we are going to look at Yukata or Yukata.de. They have 118 games, so up there. Not quite as many as BGA, but growing. Um, What I like the most about this site, really, is the fact it's 100% free. It is a passion project. They are not looking for people to sub, but you can donate to their site, which we will get into later, what you get for donating, because there are a couple little perks for doing that. But nothing that impacts how you can play, who you can play with, and what you can play. You can play anything you want 100% free. You can even create a guest account and not register and play. Though if you do that, you're not going to be able to play with your friends. Uh, You have to play with strangers. But if you don't like signing up for things and don't like giving out your email address, you don't even have to do that on Yukata. That instantly impressed me. The first thing I noticed when I went there, I'm like, wow, there's literally no pay model here. This is great. There's no paywall.
0: Yeah. And the number of games and the type of game, like the number of games is great, but the type of games there is also something different than you find on BGA. So. Yeah, what I
1: loved about that is a ton of heavy games. If you are a Stefan Feld fan, you need to be on Yukata. They're not all of his games, but there is a good list of seven or eight Felds on there. There's your your Castles of Burgundy. Your um, no Trajan was actually on the other site. Ah, uh, what else was there? There was a ton. We played uh, we played Carpe Diem. There's uh, Speaker Stat. Like there is a significant list of Felds.
0: Yep. Uh, And as well, they do have some of the basics, you know, you've got your Carcassonne, you've got your Can't Stop, some of the regulars that you'd expect to find on a game site are there as well. So you're not left out if you aren't a heavy gamer. Uh, You do have options.
1: Yeah, there was a nice range. I personally, this is definitely, it's it's a German site. Um, that it very much favors German games, German styles of games. You're gonna find your Elalia games, you're gonna find your cosmos games, your Ravensburger. Those are the publishers that have chosen to work with Yukata. And again, we noted these are all legal. This is all they did was ask. they the, the owner of Yukata went, hey, can I put your game on my site?" And they went, yep. Now what they did to do this though, which is interesting, is it's actual scans of the game components. So the games look like the games. But it's definitely not as clear as, say, Board Game Arena's graphics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And talking about games, uh, games they've just added, for instance, are Transatlantic and Russian Railroads. Uh, You know, so their games are still being added uh, and, and it's still being developed, even though this is a free passion project.
1: Yes. So I'm hoping they get lots of donations. Now, I did notice, well, Sean pointed it out, that on the sites there are links to where you can get the games and pay for them, which I'm assuming is probably part of how they get their money. Yep. Uh, like the other side, you can create public or private games, so you can play with strangers, or you can play with just your friends, built right in, same as the other sites, but no paywall to get to that, which is nice. One of the things I liked is it does a pop-out, I assume it's a Java window, but you get a pop-out window for your game. Yeah. So it's not just using your full browser window, you get a little pop-up, and I actually found that way nicer. Like it didn't give in the way of me working. It was nice to have open while I was doing other things.
0: Yeah. And it is resizable. So uh, I was playing on my 1080p monitors and you could expand that to full size. In most cases, the games expanded pretty well to fit that and, uh, you know, use the full monitor or you could keep it at its smaller size. Now, some of the stuff's
1: a little small. <laughs> I did. I found it really hard to use. You caught it on my phone.
0: So yeah whereas
1: bga i find it actually works
0: yeah no again um, because of those scans because you're, you of the know, scans. you're limited you're limited to the size and and you can't yeah. resize everything the same way
1: now one of the things i did find odd is the rules are there sometimes so with yukata you have a somewhat similar feel Like, it all feels like you're on Yakata, but not nearly as unified as Board Game Arena. And some games would have these three bars at the top and would allow you to see a sidebar. And the sidebar would have different types of information, like a notepad, your chat was there, and sometimes you'd have the rules, and the rules were right there. And it was, again, scans. It was typed up, but then scans of the examples, and that was awesome. But then the next game I played didn't have it, so that was a little hit or miss. Yeah. It was nice when it was there.
0: Now, the one interesting thing is if you go to the uh, game pages before you join a game, uh, they have the rules, they've got the create an the invitation, they've got the ranking tables, but they also have an embedded YouTube video for somebody's yep. teaching game right there on the page. And that's great. Uh, as well as seeing, you know, what games are, you know, if, uh, are there games open right now? You can jump yeah. into the games right there. So if you're looking to jump into a game of, uh, you know, what a era of inventions... You can jump in right there by clicking on the game, learning about it, and then hopping in. Now, setting up a game I
1: actually found easier on here than Board Game Arena, Mm -hmm. though we'll get to a con of not knowing if you've been invited (laughs) later. But setting up the game as the person setting up a game was dead simple and very easy to do, lots of simple options. Actually, I said more intuitive than Board Game Arena.
0: Yep, no, absolutely. Uh, And when you're about to do something that you're, you're gonna regret, you get a warning. So even though even though there are some things that can't be undone, you get that heads up that you're about to do something you can't that, that can't be undone. Are you yes. sure?
1: Yeah. So that's the biggest advantage I find, at least playing Mystic on here in particular, is you have to confirm the end of your turn. You have to be like, "I'm done. I've done my thing." And until you do that, you can replay. Bits of your turn or your entire turn. You can step back one step, or you can step back all the way to the beginning of your turn. Unless you've basically, something's changed in the game state. So you flip the card, or you've discovered new information, or you flip the tile. But again, as Sean mentioned, it gives you a warning. It's like, hey, you're about to flip tiles. Once you do this, you're not going to be able to hit undo. Are you sure you want to flip tiles? And you're like, yep, I'm good. And then I see my new tiles, and I'm like, oh, I got terrible tiles. You're stuck with them at that point. It's actually extremely well done.
0: Uh, One of the nice little things is you can actually set every game, you can set a status on whether or not you like it, you don't like it, you love it a lot, it's your favorite, you can pick through uh, and and set for your games so that people know what games you like, there's a, a bit of an area for personal information that you, it's voluntary to add in whether or not you want to have some of that information there. Uh, And set what information they send you, whether or not they're sending you emails on games, on invitations or not. And there's even a wonderful little box that says, I am a hermit. And it will basically just turn off all the communication. And unless you go to the site and interact with it, it leaves you alone.
1: Yeah, everything's very nice. And the other thing, too, is when you set your favorite games, you can, of course, sort by that. So you can actually go, which of my favorite games have open tables right now? which was a great choice. Here's what I liked. Um, in, In Board Game Arena, it's a paid thing where you can set your own player color. What I liked in this is you could set everyone's player color and you could change it. What I see would be completely different than what Sean saw, which actually doesn't matter. Like in my head, I'm playing yellow and Sean sees me playing green, who cares? Which I hadn't really thought of before, but I thought it was really neat for online because I always play yellow and Deanna always plays green. So when we were playing a game together, I set me to yellow and her to green. That way I just know, looking at the board, who's who. And I thought that was a really neat touch, like something I'd like to see in some of the other
0: sites. Absolutely, that's a fantastic way. Like On, on Board Game Arena, if you subscribe, you can choose your preference. Your so if, if you prefer to play yellow or green or blue or whatever, you set that as your primary and then you set a secondary because if two people join and they're both their primaries are the same, it yeah. has to make a choice and it will do that for you. Whereas in this case, if Mo wants to play green and D wants to play green, you can both he play can. green and set, some, set the other person to another color on your screen.
1: Yeah, which I thought great. that was fantastic. I yeah. really like that actually. Uh, tons of stats and rankings. Uh, I don't think there's nearly as much as Board Game Arena, but there is a lot. I admit I didn't deep dive them, but there was a lot of statistics here. Again, free though. Yep. Whereas the Board Game Arena, to get a lot of the stats, you gotta pay. Here, they're just there.
0: Yep, everything Everything is right there. Um, and again, one of the one of the nice little touches that you get for free on Board Game Arena that we didn't mention is you can set up a profile icon of, you know, uh, for you. Whereas on Yukata, you're limited to, uh, if you happen to have your email address associated with Gravatar, um, for people who remember that old uh, huh. strange, it's a, See, a way to worked, sign into so. a bunch of things, uh, it would connect. So you're probably connected with Gravatar somewhere. I must be. Whereas I'm not. So I get one of four or five strange yeah. little boxy things. And, and that's what I'm stuck with. So uh, That's weird.
1: I'm, sur- I'm surprised you can't change that. I don't know, mine showed up, and I'm like, sure, I'll use that.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, some cons. Uh, one of the things is it, it's mostly heavy Euro games. Now, someone did mention in the chat, yes, there's Hey, That's your. Fi- that's My Fish, which, man, with good players, that's actually quite the strategic game. Uh, this is the heavy game site. This is your longer Euro games, your Felds, your Aaliyah games, your big box games. That can be a disadvantage for some people or a pro for others.
0: Yeah. So... <laughs> There's actually an interesting one I didn't even notice before. They actually have a create random game okay, as a function. So you can just create a random game, you know, whatever you want to play that day from 118 different choices.
1: Hey, if you know that many games, that's a (laughs) a good way to do it.
0: Uh, What we'll see is, again, we talked about this already, is some of the scans of the games are small. So you run into some uh, discrepancies when you're sizing and you're trying to size. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I found, which... Frustrated me to no end. Whereas you can you can stretch and change the window size in this pop out game window, yes. you cannot control scroll. So the the default scrolling to yeah, zoom to zoom, it doesn't work. Uh, and I found that a really frustrating omission uh, because that's just something that should happen nowadays. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a standard feature.
1: Yeah, and I also found when you resize the window, not every game resized the graphics. Yeah. It depended on the game. So. Um, some of the the games had more features than others. Uh, we kind of talked about that a bit. Some would have the rules, some wouldn't. Some would have a chat room, some others wouldn't. Like, it just, it, it was odd. Uh, again, Board Game Arena is so unified. Every game works the same. The chat's in the same spot. The, the play-by-plays in the same spot. Everything's in the same spot. But. On here, you'd load one game and it'd be one place and the next game would be another place. And even like where to hit and turn would move each game and where to hit, go to the next table would be in a different spot. It just didn't have that unified theme.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It it, it felt strange and and jumping between two different games. Like we were we were playing, uh, we, we are playing uh, two or three different games on there and yeah. each one feels like a different website almost. Yes, <laughs>
1: Yeah, though the quality of the games all felt about the same, as opposed to like Wat where the quality was all over the place.
0: Yeah, I, the only thing I found a little weird was some of the graphics on uh, Bruges felt um, yeah. odd, but then again, I haven't played that in person, so I don't know how much Yeah, it for is. some
1: reason they, they didn't scan the cards. Mm, you don't yeah. get to see the fronts of the cards, it's just a really bad font and text, Yeah, like and, some bad
0: icons. Yeah, it was that was that was questionable. <laughs>
1: um the overall interface is pretty archaic. Uh like the 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 site interface, not the like once you play. Yeah. It's it's pretty much point and click, but the the overall again it looks very much based on board game geek.
0: The, I think I think a, a big theme was Board Game Geek started and then these co- sites went, "Oh, well Board Game Geek is great, but we want to play the games." So they took a fam- what was at the time a familiar interface and Brought that into their world of playing games, and at the time, in you know 2015, 2010, that's great. But we're a long way past that yeah, now, all... even, and even Board Game Geek has moved on and yes. started updating their interface. Whereas Yukata and Botajou haven't really done that yet. No.
1: And Board Game Arena used to look like this back in the day because yep. I do remember trying it out, and they have definitely modernized their look.
0: Yeah. So uh, now, one of the things I, with I found. Yucata, with Yukata, we have to understand that again, it is a donation free passion free, free passion project. So it's a little more understandable. Uh mm-hmm. BGA, you're pay- people are paying for it, they're keeping up with it. Yukata or uh is the one that's not a, not free, but also not up to date. Yeah, uh,
1: that one's that's an interesting choice. Um there's some weird oddities I found with Yukata on different games. One of the things is it show how it shows the score. So like we're playing Imhotep, and there's two scores and I can tell one's my current score and one's my end game score so it's working everything out. But then when the game ended, I didn't win so that didn't match. Uh, another one that was really weird is we were playing Carpe Diem and it was adding in the end game scoring stuff in the middle of the game, which is odd like why is it telling me how many points sean has for his chimneys when we that's an end game scoring thing and even more so specifically with carpe diem carpe diem specifically says you put your cards in a pile so no one knows what score you have but there it is i can see everyone's score so they're obviously breaking some of the game rules i guess for usability or because they need to display the scores somewhere so it's just wonky right so but then we played something else and it didn't show end game scoring and, and it only showed some of it. Like even Carpe Diem, it didn't show you our fountains, but it showed the chimney scoring. It, it just, it was weird. It, yeah. And it didn't always make sense.
0: And again, these the how these games are developed, we haven't delved into deeply, but it's very clear that it's not all the same person. Yeah. <laughs> and then
1: there's a really weird thing. So two things this came up. Yakata doesn't tell you who won the game until, like, the only way I found out a game was over is I got an email. Then I finally figured out the, like, obscure place you had to go two menus deep to get your list of completed games to even see who won. So that's something where Board Game Arena has that problem to a point, but you at least get a little notification. Or if you watch the game end, you can see the end of it, where this was like it ended, even though, like, I have it open and I'm watching it. And I don't see the game end and I just hit next table. And I notice that I keep hitting next table and I never go back to that table. And I'm like, Oh, that game's over. Oh, that's why yeah. it's not going back there.
0: Yeah. There was the interface in when, when it comes to changing games and, and interacting with the games was not consistent. One yeah. of the things I found was even with a game that Mo and I were both actively playing real time, it wouldn't always tell me when it was my turn. Yeah. Sometimes I'd have to click on it or I'd click next, next table and it would bring me back to the same table or i'd see that it was my turn and i'd click on something and a pop-up would show saying it's your turn now and i said i know that i was trying to play why are you getting in my way uh so that was frustrating
1: it also has a really weird one that's not that bad once i figured out what it was doing but it won't let you take it makes you take your turns in a certain order So if I'm playing three games, it wants me to take my turn on game one before my turn on game three. And there is no possible way to take my turn on game three until I take my turn on game one, which I found really annoying. But then I'm like, "Well, it didn't really matter. Like I got to take turns on all three games anyway. But it was just kind of like, I just want to take my turn in this game. Why do I have to go finish? Ah, it was just a little frustrating.
0: Yeah. And again, one thing that I love about BGA is the site is interactive with you. So if the window is open, it's updating yes. things for you. Whereas, uh, Yukata, if you go to your overview page, and that is, if you, once you figure it out, overview is, it's got a live chat, which is updating. So I thought, okay, great, I'll leave my overview open, and when right. it's my turn, it'll hap- everything will happen. Or if I'm invited to a game, it will update. Well, it turns out that the only thing that's live it's updating on that page the is the chat. And there had been two invites sitting there for a while, and... I didn't know, um, yeah. and I didn't. You know, turns were it was my turn on games. I didn't know because I wasn't refreshing that page, and that's frustrating.
1: That is just a it's just a little wonky. And Bois de Joux, we missed that actually. you only mm. refreshes the page if you're premium; otherwise, you have to keep hitting reload.
0: Oh, I didn't even know that. That's yeah, that's annoying. Which yeah,
1: we're gonna get to now actually because I think at this point, let's take a look at the specific game I want to talk about just for a minute. We played Terra Mystica on both of these. Mm -hmm. So Terra Mystica on Board Game Arena looks like the game. Terra Mystica on Yukata looks like the game. But man, the interfaces are completely different. And what's interesting is I found that Yukata does it by the rule book. So in Terra Mystica, you technically have eight options every turn. And what they do on Yukata is they put all eight options in the top right corner of the board, scanned off the player aid. Whereas BGA instead goes, here's the board. And when you click on the spot, you want to do the thing. It extrapolates what action you want to take, which is right. always obvious It's say, like if I click here, I'm going to try to terraform and build. Or if I click on my existing building, I obviously want to upgrade it. Whereas in Yukata, I have to click on upgrade and then click on what building to upgrade.
0: Yeah, no, I, to me, there's, it's, there's very different uh, ideas go, that have gone into how to play the game. Uh, I feel like, To a new player, board game arena is probably the better option. But if you play Terra Mystica regularly, if you are a Terra Mystica lover, Mm -hmm. I would say Yukata is the better system. Uh, Now, my problem is because I have only played Terra Mystica a few times, I've I've struggled a little bit to make sure I know where everything is and what everything means. Um, But I I think as a more familiar player to Terra Mystica... Mm -hmm. I would actually end up liking the information display on Nikkata better.
1: Yeah, it summarizes things a lot better. It uses the the screen better. Better utilizes your screen. And what I love is I can undo what I... Go to build that spot, and then I get told I don't have any houses left. That drives me nuts in Board Game Arena. And then I'm like, fine, I won't build. Nope, sorry, you chose build. you got to build, even though you don't have houses to build. You wasted your shovel, screw you. That's what it feels like in Board Game Arena. Whereas in this game, I go to do it, it's like, oh, you don't have any houses. Okay, never mind, back up, I'm going to do something else. That alone is why I prefer Yukata for, at least for playing Terra Mystica, that alone, I, I'm never going to misclick. I'm never going to try to scroll my screen and accidentally put a priest on a, a, a temple. I've done that one on my phone where I'm like, I just want to move this over and it ends up I tap a priest spot yeah. and all of a sudden I go up on the track and I'm like, no, I didn't want to do that.
0: Well, and one of the, one of the really nice things about Yukata.de is when you've got special moves, when you've got an extra bonus from something yes. they're all in the same place whereas on bga you need to know where yeah, you to look know where... or you're not going to use your extra powers uh-huh. and it won't tell you you haven't used them you're just out of luck or it'll t- or it'll tell you you've but got you a go move available yeah it'll tell you you've got a move available and then 15 minutes later you find a little box somewhere that you could have that you that you it's waiting yeah. for you to click uh, whereas on Yukata, it's all right there. You've got one yeah. player line essentially, uh, that you can expand, but mm-hmm. you don't need to because it's all right there in one tiny little line. And if you know what all the iconography is, you're set. Yeah. So personally,
1: I got to say, I prefer Terra Mystica on Yukata. I think it's, it's a better, it doesn't look quite as nice. It's not as polished, but I'm finding, I'm playing better. Because yep. I'm I'm realizing what I can do. I can see what you have. I don't have to look over on the right to figure out your things. You know, I yeah. don't have to scroll down to see your player board. Yeah, everything the player, presented
0: the player board summaries are a nice yeah. touch that I find easier to read uh, and play off of compared to an actual player board, which yeah. is what you get on board. Do I got to
1: admit, board. when I first started, I'm like, how the hell am I going to track the bowls? And it, no, now that I'm been,
0: used to it. Yeah, it was... I have to say, because I was, I'm still reasonably a newbie at Terra Mystica. It was terrifying starting a game on Yukata. Uh, I was really freaked out by the the interface because, again, iconography is is you know you have to know what things are. Yep. Uh, because it's not even obvious that you can click through and, and, and pop open things and expand things. Mm-hmm. Uh, even yeah, Diana can... was having
1: that problem. She's like, "Mike, like, just click here and do this. She's like, oh, you can see your player board. She could figure yeah. out for the first few turns how to even view her player board, which is, to be honest, not as useful as I thought it was. It just I'm so used to it from the other version.
0: Absolutely. Like For, for me, uh, one of the things that I hadn't noticed when I was choosing my choosing my uh, uh, player Fact- type, faction um I kept uh, trying to figure out which one I wanted. And yeah, on the Board Game work. Arena, as soon as you mouse over it, it pops up the power for that faction. Whereas this, I, you told me later how to choose that. I kind yeah. of just picked one eventually. <laughs> yeah. on um, a bad way to play up. Because yeah. I didn't really have any idea what all the pictures it was flashing at me meant. I couldn't remember all that iconography. It was sort of like, you know, playing uh, Roll race for the galaxy galaxy. with just icons and nothing else yes
1: all right so we took a look at these three sites we've given you pros and cons for each uh we basically looked at as free resources though you can subscribe to two of them and there is an option to pay on the third so i want to take a look at each just so everyone gets all the information to know how much it costs and exactly what you get so Board Game Arena, I'm going to go with Canadian because that's what came up on my screen. Six bucks a month or $35 a year. And that's rounded up. It's actually like five something and change. It's, it's closer to six. Mm-hmm. 35 bucks a year, I got to say, is pretty dang cheap.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, there aren't too many sites you can get a subscription to for $25 a year. Uh, $25 a year, I think, a year is the US price. US, uh, yeah. And, and you, I don't know sites you can get that. Spend that little. Yeah. Yeah. So um,
1: so the things it gives you, I'll probably just run through these quickly, is access to premium games, and more importantly, the ability to invite anyone, premium or not, to those games. No waiting list, which is important right now. That, and is enough reason to subscribe at least for a couple months, I think. Uh, you can play from the same IP address, which is invaluable for Deanna and I uh there's voice video chat voice and video chat where you can do that while you're playing to be honest i haven't even bothered trying that out i don't need to see my opponents uh you get to pick your player color something i think is kind of cool i like to play yellow or i like to play play white or i like to play orange i like those light colors and the fact i can do it and then ridiculously in-depth statistics like over the top amount of statistics, insane ones and the ability to create tournaments, which I don't care. I don't play competitively. I don't plan on playing competitively, but I know that's going to be a feature. Some people are going to like.
0: Absolutely. Uh, As well, there's also some extra ways that you can get bonuses. Uh, They do have a point system built in. So if you help them out and you translate a game for them into another language, you get points that you can put towards a membership. Uh, So you can actually even get free memberships by helping the site out. In, in ways that aren't coding, but, you know, are a major yeah. bonus to them.
1: That's also very uh, uh, board game arena like, yeah. or, or not board, board game geek. geek. Yeah. Like I, I have paid for subscriptions on there with Geek many times. Right. So Yukata, we said it's 100% free. There is no premium account. There is no paywall. You can play as a guest or register. There's your two options. The benefits of registering is all your basic stuff, right? That's your create your username, your rank, you can have friends and all that stuff. Uh, the main reason, though, is so that you can do that, right? So you, can, you don't have to always play with strangers. Now, they do offer a donation system, but it does give you something, which is kind of neat, which I don't care, but some people do, but you get flair. And this flair is very much based on board game geek. You get a unique online icon, so next to your name is a gold, silver, bronze, and for some reason red is the highest. I don't know what red's supposed to be. Next to your name, showing that you're a subscriber or a donator someone who's donated and you also get a little bar that says subscriber in the year you subscribed in and every year you subscribe that number goes up if you've seen a subscriber on board Geek, it's it is directly ripped off from there like i swear it's probably the same code to make it look the same like i'm, I'm surprised they don't offer micro badges under your name too it's that close now so little little nice touch so if you give them any money like anything you donate a buck you get one of these little pieces of flair you can donate way more than that to get more colorful flair and show off.
0: That's a nice touch. Now, one interesting thing I noticed is I got an update message after we joined uh, and apparently their donation button had actually been broken for a (laughs) year. Wow. Um, So again, this site, as much as there are some really nice things about Yukata, they are not a well-developed, you know, actively developing site.
1: I'm pretty sure you caught as one person sitting at a computer Quite who has possible. a day job. Yep,
0: yep, <laughs> right? absolutely. It is a passion project.
1: All right, you? This definitely has a premium subscription, and once you see this list, you'll see why. They obviously expect you to do this. This is basically, to me, a paywall to be on the site. It is €5 Euro a month or €35 Euro a year, or they do offer a six-month for €20. Euro. I think I typoed that. It was 20, yeah. Yeah, for 20 euro. Now, I don't know the exchange rate, but from what I understand, that's about double what it costs at Board Game Arena.
0: Uh, right now, 35 euros is $53.75 Canadian.
1: So, yeah, just about, about double. double. Not quite, but close close to double the price. So, subscribers get auto-refresh and turn notifications. How is that a subscriber model? That, like, that, is it yeah. that... Like, like, my screen Basic refreshes function. when it's my turn? Come on. Um and uh, in, in, i gotta admit like sean and i both had problems with the screen it yeah, did it didn't, actually, it didn't without, actually with the soap like it didn't even work uh you can create premium member only games and invite only friends yeah okay i get it personally that's why i joined these sites uh, ability to create non-ranked games with friends okay sure ability to limit players based on speed i thought that was neat that's one that actually board game arena could probably use um creation creation of parties uh that is something we didn't mention on board game arena you can make a party of players so that you always play the same games together i thought that was a nice touch we've done that with the three of us i've I've made a friends list for playing it uh friends and foes again to me that shouldn't be that should be a basic feature to me well at least the friends part yeah it is interesting that they have foes so there is a way to block players so you never play with them if that's a feature on board game arena i've not seen it not that i'm aware of the ability to manage email notifications is a premium feature. That, again, is one of those, shouldn't that yeah. just be basic?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a huge turnoff for me. I don't want the amount of spam that they are able to generate d- by default sent yeah. to my email box.
1: Maybe you get no emails if you're not uh,
0: premium. No, it's, it, it specifically says you're not allowed yeah, to see, customize oof. the emails we send you.
1: A uh, bunch of customization options. I'm not going to bother with those, but it's all the profile settings. You can set your age, your preferred speed, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, private game notes. So you can take notes while you're playing games. How, again, how is that not like a basic feature? Plus, like, why would I pay for that if I can just open Notepad? Like, I found that one a little odd. Yeah. Um, Online status of players. Again, like, I, do I care? Like, it's turn-based. It's do I care if people are online? Why is that premium? uh exclusive forums which again we mentioned it what the seems like uh a very popular forum as well as a place to play games for especially in the french language so uh, it's probably a big deal for people who care uh like i don't know i i look at this stuff and like to me these seem like the things that everyone should get like not all of them but most like the, the refresh like come on and just being able to add friends and create games with just the three of us i gotta pay for that and i gotta pay double what i gotta pay on the other two sites
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Now, I mean, to be fair, there's probably some informational protection you get from joining a European site. Again, the Euro Euro, uh, GDPR and and such does have some information protection rules that you can, uh, that, Mm. you know, benefit people. Uh, But honestly, I can't imagine playing Poitiers without the subscription, and yet i don't really want to spend that much yeah. for that website so i gotta
1: be honest um i really like to be able to play dungeon lords on there so what i think i'm gonna do is once it expires see how that works yeah but otherwise yep so final thoughts uh, i think it's pretty obvious we like board game arena we both like board game arena a lot we've been using it for a long time it's a fantastic site i personally think it's well worth paying for the premium account at least for one person in your group, if not all of you. Now, if you have two people in the same household, you don't have much choice. One of you should have to subscribe. But like I said, the, the cost for what you get, like the, the the cost versus benefit analysis there, just makes sense. Like that's, that's a crazy low price for the amount of time you're probably going to spend playing games. The hot seat, you can play real time. There's a really good mix of games on there. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can actually even there's there's things we haven't done yet. Like we can actually create our own uh, forums. Like we can have a tabletop bellhop forum on board game arena. Yeah. That you know that we just haven't played with yet. Um, and again, the the consistency of interface is a really big thing if you're gonna play more than one game. You know, if we if we just want to play dungeon something, uh, you know, whatever it is, dungeon, uh, Lord, dungeon lords, then fine, maybe maybe that's all the game we care about. And as long as the interface within the game is one thing, that's great. But I'm playing 14 different games on BGA right now. The fact that I know where to look every time I change to a new game is really important. Uh, and you don't get that with the other sites to the same degree. No.
1: Now that said, I liked Yukata. I liked Yukata more than I thought I was going to like Yukata. Uh, the biggest thing there is is the variety. Like the some games are definitely done better than others. Yep, and you're. Don't give up on your first impression, is what I would have to say. <laughs> yeah, try a different game. My, my first impressions weren't great when I first went there, but after trying a couple different games, some of the things on there are worth it. Like, just the fact that Yukata has an undo and end turn button is going to make me want to play on there more. I That is the one feature that I wish Board Game Arena had, is that the biggest flaw in that game are the, the mixed click. I've lost games, like, because of clicking the wrong thing. Yep. And it's so frustrating, where you'll never have that on Yukata. It. and yes diana noted this in the chat not every game has an undo but most of those games you're revealing some kind of new information every turn yeah. so that's why is is because then you could be like oh i didn't like what came up but every game i enjoyed playing on there i was able to undo what i needed to undo and that alone made it worth it i like the 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 windowed version though yeah it's it's buggy it's it's definitely not as clean it's definitely not as nice as board game arena but in that case, if a game's on both right now, I would probably lean towards playing it on Yukata over Board Game Arena. Other than that, I'm going to go to whichever of those two sites has the game I want to play.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the things uh, about uh, Yukata, what was I about to say? I was about to say something, and I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's right. why we're usually scripted
1: that's that's <laughs> why yes we are not scripted at this point we figured it out we're rambling a bit too uh and then the last was Bois de Joux uh, overall it's got some unique games I am not overly impressed by the look of the site and the 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 widely varying quality of the various games like from absolutely horrible as Sean said feels like a high school programming project to wow this is a fantastic version of a game I have downstairs on the same site. What really turns me off on there is their pay, that they have a paywall, a significant paywall. That's pretty much double the cost of the other site. And it's just not as good. You don't get as much for that money. So I, I, if there's a game, like if you, really want to play the games there maybe it's worth it for you if you're french speaking it looks like there's a fantastic community there and no i don't mean that they don't ostracize the english there's definitely enough english speaking people there it's not a french site it is located in france but like the forums are definitely more there's a lot more french language there than there is english language
0: no absolutely i mean it is a it is a french company running a french website uh you know there's there's definitely that's who they're organized towards um but my problem is again, you you talk about a paywall and it's if the if I was getting something for that paywall, if I was getting a, a well-developed website, I wouldn't mind. I you know, I pay for board I would pay more for board game arena because of the consistency and the the, the modern feel of a website. I, whereas you go to Boju and you feel like you're going back 12 years ago and yeah. you know is, is geo city is gonna pop up soon <laughs> it's almost 20 years ago yeah
1: to be honest yeah it does like I'm I'm surprised there's no spinning flag next to my name or a flat waving Canadian flag right like oh it's and, and I gotta say Uganda's not much better. So now there are other sites out there. there there's, uh, you know what, I'm not even going to mention them. There are others, but these are definitely the big three. This is this is your automotive, and it's your GM, Ford, and Chrysler. These are the big three. Again, browser-based, free Waste Play Online. These are, the there's Tabletopia, there's other other sites out there, and I did try a couple things on other ones. Tabletopia won't even run in my browser, so that shows how good that one is. Yeah, we, 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 so we tried
0: there. Tabletopia and discovered that it is really a sandbox uh, more, whereas these these are these are game systems right they they are doing scoring for you they are doing work you're clicking to where you want to move but the game is being played it is not a virtual you're you
1: basically their digital versions of board games yeah this whereas is not... tabletopia is a virtual version of a board game yeah absolutely so out of the three definitely board game arena check it out i i have not like there's things i i would improve but there's nothing wrong with it check out yukata Try a couple games. I personally like the interface. I like some of the things it does there. But what does you, you could almost skip. Like, go there and see if your favorite game's there. If your favorite game's there, feel free. Have Um, fun. Play.
0: Unless there's a game that you can't find anywhere else. Uh, Unfortunately, I can't. uh, Yeah, I can't recommend them. All right. And now... Up next, we're taking a look at Pulsar 2849 from Czech Games Editions or CGE.
1: All right, first off, to be transparent, I do have to say I did get a review copy of Pulsar after much begging at Origins 2019. This one this one, I had to fight for. Uh, Pulsar 2849 was designed by Vladimir Suchi and features art by Soren Mending. It was published in North America by CGE in 2017. This sci-fi board game plays two to four players in an hour to two hours, really depending on the player count.
0: To see what you get in a copy of Pulsar 2849, check out our unboxing video on YouTube. We'll be sure to drop a link to that in the show notes.
1: Now, I'm not going to go through everything you get here. We stopped doing that. It just takes too long on the show. If you actually want to see it, watch the video or head over to the blog and read the blog version of this review. Now, what I will say is there's a ton of stuff in this box. It really is. It's a heavy box, a ton of cardboard, and it may be the game with the most individual boards I've ever seen for one game. This is a table hawk. All the components are top-notch. The boards are nice and thick. The tiles and chits are great. Nice plastic individual player pieces. Uh, plastic instead of wood. Usually I prefer wood, but this, I don't know, it's a nice plastic. It's it's non-transparent. It's nice. Uh, what I did think was interesting is that the bits in here, especially the plastic bits, have been used from other games, other CGE games. Like, as soon as I open this box, I'm like, oh, those are the rocket ships that are from Galaxy Trucker. And oh, that little, it looks like a blood drop. That's from Adrenaline. It's kind of cool. Uh, I'm sure the plastic discs are from some other game by them. And I don't mind that at all. You know what? Software reuse. It makes sense. You've already designed the component. Why not use it in multiple games?
0: Absolutely. I think it's great for a company to do this, and it makes a lot of sense for the bottom line, which helps us as consumers as well. Now, for our listeners out there that may be unfamiliar with Pulsar 2849, how do you play?
1: All right, so this is a sci-fi, engine-building, dice-driven point salad. And due to that, it is not the easiest game to cover in a brief overview, but I'll try to do my best, at least give you an idea of how it's played. So it starts by setting up this massive board and all the side boards around it. As I said, huge table hop. Some of the stuff is randomized, which technology boards are up, which HQ boards the players have, and some end game storing stuff. And there's a couple of additional decisions to make on which side of your player board to use. But what I'll say is that some of the boards are easier than others, and they do have a set for a first time player, which is a nice
0: touch. Watching this game get set up is kind of shocking. It just keeps spreading out. Your game table at the at the Bellhop's house is a boardroom table. So bigger than most, and it still felt like it was gonna overflow the table and it was gonna be cramped.
1: Yeah, we're looking at four feet wide and it's it's cutting it, it, it fits, but to be able to fit your own player boards and everything as well. Yeah. So to actually play the game, you're gonna roll dice. This is a dice driven game. You roll the dice, you put them on the dice board, You find the median die, and then the value marker, is—that's that blood drop, is put to the left or right, depending on how many dice are above or below the median. Players are then going to draft two dice in player order. After drafting a die, you then have to move your marker on one of two tracks. The top track sets the player order for the next turn, not this one. And the bottom track represents your technological superiority versus the other players. What's neat is the player's markers move up or down, depending on which die you took. And this mechanic is a lot more fascinating than it sounds. This is one of the the highlights of the game actually. In general, you get rewarded for taking dice with low numbers and penalized for taking dice of high numbers, but it really varies based on where that center marker is.
0: It really does actually sound more complex than it is, and I think most players can quickly grasp it upon seeing it. So, it's really worth doing a quick roll and setup for this part of the game in the pre in the pregame teach.
1: Yeah, set one up and then re-roll the dice once you start the actual game. Now, once everyone has their two dice, they're going to take turns. And every die you have lets you get one action, which means a max of two actions a turn in general. What you're going to use your dice for is to move your survey ship, your little thing on the map. You're going to discover systems and claim c- claiming colonies on those systems or claim pulsars. You can take a gyrodyne from the gyrodyne board. It's this little spinning thing. You can develop a pulsar that you already claimed with a gyrodyne. If you have a Gyrodyne in play, you can spin it up, which is how you activate them. You just flip them over. Uh, You can build an energy transmitter array. You can patent new technologies. You can buy a dice modifier token, or you can do a special project on your HQ board. Now, in addition to using the dice you drafted, there are many ways you can earn a bonus die during the turn. And this uses the red die that comes with the game. There's a bunch of silver dice and a red die. And if you can manage to do the right thing, you can claim a third bonus action, which is also taken from those same list of eight actions.
0: So thematically, you are exploring the galaxy as as your faction, trying to tap pulsars for energy for your group world faction whatever you want to call it uh and then with that energy you can advance your technology gaining more energy allowing your faction to do more things and essentially prosper over the others so it's a it's a 3x game essentially where you're exploring and developing your technology in order to become the greatest civilization uh over everyone else
1: it's kind of like power grid and space in a way which is kind of interesting so after you've done your action phase you spent your dice two dice and possibly a bonus die you then do a production round where a number of things happen you're going to receive knowledge cubes that's based on that technology track those you can trade in for red dice or bonus actions you can activate those transmission arrays you have that have activated may give you resources or points spun up gyro dines are going to score you points every round Some technologies will give you points or other rewards. New technologies are locked every turn. You get new ones available. And the player order is updated based on that other track we talked about. Now, the game only lasts eight rounds. At the end of the eighth round, after production, there's a final scoring where you're going to get points for your claimed pulsars, unactivated gyrodynes, level three technologies, the three endgame scoring goals, endgame player order, and how many settlements you founded during the game.
0: Whoever has the most advanced and well-powered faction or, you know, group of, wins.
1: Now, I know, that's a huge info dump, and it's like that. When you're trying to teach the game, it's it's like that. But to give you an idea what you do, basically, you're going to fly your survey ship around the board, flip over systems, and you're going to get rewards for landing on them. You're going to claim pulsars, put those gyrodynes on them and spin them up to start getting points every round, to start building your engine, your point engine. You're going to develop technologies to make that exploration and discovery easier and allow you to earn points by taking other actions. So you can get a technology that's going to give you extra points for exploring, or you can take a technology that'll give you extra points for spinning up gyrodynes, or a technology that'll give you extra points for taking technologies. The arrays are a totally separate thing, which can give you instant rewards or round-by-round resources if you choose to Them. Like I said, big point salad. There's lots of different things you can do and lots of different ways to get points. And what you do is off, often going to be driven by the randomized stuff at the start of the game, the end game goals, and which technologies are up during the game.
0: So while not a 4X game, this does have a very strong feeling in that direction and is really just missing that fourth X, which we know from other games that some people don't enjoy anyway. So if you do like your battles in games, there may still be enough meat in this game without those to make you forget that you're not conquering other people along the way because you've got too much other things to worry about.
1: While there is a lot of direct player interaction, it's all... Uh, sorry, indirect player action. So it's all, you took the die I wanted, or you got to the system I wanted to get to first. It's more of the, or you got higher on the track. So yes, you're interacting with each other, but there's no attacking. There's no stealing resource from another player. But man, is it frustrated when the other player takes that two that you really needed. Now, I'm a huge fan of action selection games. I love engine builders, and I'm a Feld fan, so I love my point salads. And Pulsar has all three of those elements, and what it adds to those tried-and-true mechanics is a really interesting dice-drafting mechanic. The main thing you have to worry about when adding dice to any game is too much randomness. And I've never found that problem with Pulsar, and that's because it uses input randomness instead of output randomness. The dice are rolled, you look at the results in the dice, and then you use those to plan your turn. This is compared to an output randomness game where you go, I'm going to do this and roll the dice to see if it works. That's your difference. While rolls of the dice do matter, I've never felt like I was stuck or my turn was ruined by a die roll. Sure, I might not be able to do that thing I was really hoping to do, but there's always other options. Like I said, each die can be used for eight different things. Added to this, there is the fact you can buy dice modifier tokens, which help you mitigate that randomness. There's a plus two and there's a plus minus one. Plus, there's the whole bonus die rules, where you can try to earn that third action. So if there's a number you really need, there's usually some way to get to it. Maybe not right when you want to, but eventually.
0: The variety of play options is really the thing that makes this game for me. The number of strategies available is huge. And that's what's really the mitigating that those dice randomness. You're never without an option. It may not be your first choice, but choices three through seven are still there. Very fair. Now, the one people thing that people
1: may not like about Pulsar is how limiting it is only having two base actions a turn. Like every great Euro game, you can't do everything you want. It's... It wouldn't be a fun game if you could do everything you want. On Pulsar, you can't even do most of what you want. You won't be able to do half of what you want. You won't even be able to do the majority of what you want. This is, in my opinion, one of the most restricting Euro games I've ever played, where you are just so limited by your number of actions. If you don't earn those red dice, you are literally looking at 16 turns the whole game, and it's over. There are eight different options you get. Each die you spend, each turn, I can promise you're going to only want to do five of those eight different things and the decision of which of those five can be agonizing.
0: Yeah, there's a saying that limitation breeds creativity. And I think there's a lot of that in this game. It forces you to focus and narrow your plans to work and try for the most efficient path to your goal, given the choices made already and the actions available right now. Now, one thing that I really like about this game is that it helps beginners in some ways because the people who have played this game a dozen times may know the best path to get somewhere, but they can't always take it. And so your choices are just as valid as theirs, even though you don't necessarily know what the best options might be. Fair fair assessment.
1: Now, another big part of this game is the fact that we get those two actions. So a big part of it is to fight to get more. Now there are some technologies that'll give you an extra action. The main way to do it is to earn that red die and that becomes a fight. Is how can I earn that red die every turn? Because having one extra action is a huge thing in this game. Either fighting to collect knowledge cubes you can trade in. Or fighting over the right arrays. Because when you flip two arrays, you get a bonus die. Or using the spots on your HQ that give you a die at the right time. Is that one extra thing. And, And planning that out, I find very rewarding. Solving that puzzle. Going, I need a five. There's no fives rolled. How can I get a red five this turn? And managing to pull it off, I love. Now, the other complaint besides the constraining restrictions, and again, that's not a complaint to me, but people may not like that, is the fact, and Sean will attest to this, this is not easy to teach or learn. It's the onboarding required. Because of those eight different actions, you need to know what they are all for instead of just what to do with them, right? So first I got to teach you eight different things you can use these dice for, and then there's all these icons that are on the board, and then it's the why, right? Sure, I can buy a dime, but why do I want to buy a Gyrodyne? Or here's a bunch of technologies that modify your basic actions. Well, which technology I want? What's the good one? And there isn't really an answer to that.
0: Now, I've said in the past that I do, and pardon the pun, gravitate towards sci-fi games. And so I feel like I picked this one up pretty quickly. But there's no question I didn't grasp all of the options in my first play. And I think this is a really strong candidate for teaching by doing and explain while setting up everything. Because again, we talked about how big this is and how much there is to set up. So we explain through that already time consuming process, then play two rounds and see where everyone's at. And maybe everyone's feeling like, oh, okay, I'm sort of getting this. Let's keep going or reboot, start fresh and learn from the mistakes you made. Again, it's only eight turns total. So it's not that big a deal if you play two and restart.
1: What I have found interesting, though, is those first two turns a little rough. But then people tend to pick it up really quickly. Like, not just you. There's something intuitive about it. Something about the actions you're taking and why you take them, right? So, uh, the pulsars in particular. So, first, got to fly to a pulsar to claim it. I put a ring on it. I now have it. Well, what do I want to do next? Well, I want to put a dine in it. So, I'm going to earn a gyrodyne. I'm going to put it in the ring. Then, I want to get a die to flip that gyrodyne over to start earning points. And that all just makes sense thematically as well as mechanically. Like it just, it, it works, right? Like the whole point of the game, spin up these pulsars to start generating points and send energy back to your home faction. And I think that was was a big part of it that just, it's almost intuitive that, oh, that of course I'd want to do that for this reason. And I think you found that
0: as well. Absolutely. The sooner you can get past the overwhelming nature of the number of options and the, and the limitation of those options, they have linked the theme and the mechanics very well. And that, is what helps it flow for a new player. If when you when you've mm-hmm. got that that match between mechanics and and concepts.
1: Now I played Pulsar at all player counts. It's uh, two to four, and the only thing that really seems to change is playing time. I was actually really surprised by how well it played with only two players. It's just as tight and rewarding and plays in about an hour, which is ridiculously quick. And to be honest, the biggest complaint I had about playing two player was how long it took to set up and put away <laughs> compared to how long it actually took to play. Now, I will admit with four players, there can be some downtime. Uh, this can be a very AP heavy game, but I didn't mind it because it was a heavy AP game while everyone else was taking a long time, just gave me more time to think myself. So I never found very often my turn was planned out now I was sitting back waiting. It was, okay, please take as long as you want because I still haven't figured out what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah, I, I really do hope someone does an online version of this one because I think it could really soar implemented well and it would mean that I get to play it more often, so...
1: Very true. Yeah, we have to go look for that. I haven't noticed it on any of the say It wasn't on any of the three sites we talked about earlier during this episode. Overall, I dig it. I, I like Pulsar 2849 a lot. Uh, combines a lot of mechanics that I enjoy all in one game. Uh, while it can be frustrating that I can't do all the things I want to do or half the things I want to do, I know my opponents are in the same boat. And it's up to me to find the best thing to do with the options I have. It may not be easy to teach, but I got to admit, it's one of those ones that people pick it up quickly once they get over that intimidation factor. The, the front load on this game can be a bit rough. Yeah. If you are into sci-fi Euros, just pick this game up. Like, I honestly, I highly doubt you're going to be disappointed if, if you're a Euro fan. Now, if you like engine buildings and point solids and dice drafting or action selection games, well, whether sci-fi or not, you might want to check this out. But if you prefer lighter games, and if you don't like, especially if you don't like heavy, difficult decisions, where it's I have eight options and I've got a min-max in my head, those eight options to figure out the best, if that's not your idea of fun, if you'd rather look at three cards and pass or to go, right, this isn't going to be the game for you. If you don't like having to, to that whole engine optimization, you're not going to enjoy Pulsar. It's definitely a heavier weight than you'd be interested.
0: Yeah. And for those uh, who are craving that fourth X, if you need to have that interplayer conflict Again, this one doesn't have that, so be warned in advance. Now, for a more in-depth look at Pulsar 2849, head over to TabletopBellhop.com and click on Reviews. And now, the Bellhop's Tabletop, where we look back and summarize what's happened since we were last here. What games hit our tables?
1: So every week, we like to take a look back at the games we played, any events we've attended, and other cool gaming stuff that's going on. So this week, we got a lot to talk about, and it's mainly because we're going to talk about digital games this week. Usually we skip over our digital plays, but with today's topic, I just thought it made sense. Now, I did get in some physical games with the family as well, and I'm going to start with those and get those out of the way. And then we'll dive into the digital games. We're just kind of tell you the which site we played it on, as well as if we thought it was worth playing or not. So up first, obviously, is Pulsar. Uh, this was a game with Deanna. We played on Friday night, and we already covered this well during the review. But I wanted to note here was just how well it played with two players. I've got to admit, I had trepidations starting the game, thinking like I, there's area control aspects and there's area majority aspects, and there there's interactions that I just thought would require at least three players. And I my trepidations were there was no reason for them. It actually worked great at two players. There aren't a lot of changes you have to make. Like, the only thing you do is you use less dice. You only use seven dice. And you only use two turn order counters per player. So that's kind of interesting. You have two dice on each of the tracks. So there's four discs total of yours. And when you draft dice, you have to choose which one to move. And the other thing was with two players, normally you would drop both your dice, the other player would. Now it's based on the two turn order tokens. So it might be that I go, then you go, then I go, then you go. Or it might be I go, you go twice, you go. All based on those tracks. So the tracks actually worked really well two players. And that was somewhere where I thought it might fall down. And well, it played the same. Just lightning quick. like Like surprisingly quick. Like I think we finished in under an hour.
0: Well, well, it's interesting that it played that solidly with two, because I'm sure I would have shared your concerns about the smaller player count, but again, it just shows that it's a rock solid game across the whole set of player
1: Yeah, and Deanna pointed this out in the chat, something I I hadn't thought of, but the other thing too is with seven dice and you only drafted two each, there are three that are left over at the end, so it made the red die a little more powerful. So there's a little more options, so it's a little looser than the main game. Right. Now, the other physical game I played was some King Me. Uh, This game was just, we just did an unboxing for this on Monday, uh, where I was joined by my daughter to share her thoughts on it, because it was her game. We gave her for her birthday. And I am glad to say, if anyone saw the video, she's really excited. You can tell. Um, Wasn't unwarranted. She had just as much fun playing the actual game. This is a solid game from Ravensburger. It's uh, rated ages 8 and up. And it's uh, basically a gamer's version of checkers or drafts. Now I plan on doing a full review for this after a few more plays, but I will just say this is a really solid advancement or step up from checkers without getting to that point where it's just too complex or like kids can still play this. It's very strategic though. Like it is all about planning ahead and watching which areas are going to score later in the turns by watching like a card track where things are going to slowly move down. And when it's at the end spot, you're going to score a part of the board. Uh, Now I've only played a handful of plays but I would say at this point, if your family likes checkers, if you, you are playing checkers with your kids, just go get King Me. Because it's that so much better than Checkers. Like it just it makes Checkers a better, non-solved game. Like just pick this one up if you already like Checkers. And that, that's after only I, well, I played three times. And once I do the full review, I'll show uh, I have a feeling it'll be popular for people who may not like checkers. But seriously, if you own a copy of Checkers, just go buy King Me. It is a better Checkers.
0: All right. Well. Now, some short thoughts on some online games we played, including what platform we played them on.
1: All right. We're going to fly through this probably pretty quick because uh, we've got a longer than usual episode here, I think, at this point. But with our tech difficulties, I could be way off. <laughs> so first is Seven Wonders on Board Game Arena. It's Seven Wonders. It's simple. It's very well done on Board Game Arena. We talked about this one many times in the past. Yes, we're still playing Seven Wonders.
0: Yeah, it's it's just well implemented. There's nothing more you can say.
1: Uh, next race for the galaxy on board game arena i continue to really enjoy this great implementation what i really like is how well it handles the first few expansions uh this is one i always have one or two games going constantly i love race for the galaxy i'm finally starting to play better i've won the last few but i i'm a big race fan except for something that we mentioned earlier in the show with clicking the wrong thing at the start of the game i love
0: it same it's 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 just well done and even if you don't know the iconography you mouse over it it's all right there
1: all right, Terra Mystica on Board Game Arena. This one had quite the learning curve to figure out how to do things. Like, just how do you do things? And um, Sean mentioned this in our earlier segment and our Ask the segment, knowing that you have special powers and where to find them. Like, th- there is a learning curve, but I've gotten past that learning curve and I am lo- loving playing this on Board Game Arena.
0: Yeah, again, once you know where everything is and remember to look for everything, it's great. Uh, but the fact that there it, it is a, a, a sort of a hunt and, and where's where's Waldo sort of situation at some points uh, isn't great. Again, we've we've liked it on I like it on on Yukata.de a little better. Yeah,
1: so that's next is Terra Mystic on Yukata. Uh, there are some things here I like. The biggest being the undo button. That alone makes me lean towards playing more games on Yukata. Uh, overall interface is so different though; it's hard to to rationalize just it. It takes a bit. Yeah. It's, a, it's a completely different learning curve because things are in totally different spots.
0: Again, to me, it, it really makes a difference on how much of a Terra Mystica player you are. Again, if you've got all the iconography down, if you if you understand how that iconography is translated onto Yukata, I think you it's a cleaner, faster play on Yukata because uh, it doesn't help you as much because it's uh, not as graphical. It's a little more sort of text-based.
1: All right, next, Carpe Diem, Steffen Feld on Yukata. I found this really well done. Like, it just felt like I was playing Carpe Diem and I didn't have to touch the tiles. Like, it, it looks and plays exactly like the board game. Um, the only thing that was weird was the way it did scoring. So it, it showed some of the stuff that's not supposed to be calculated until the end of the game. Plus, in that game, scoring is supposed to be hidden. So I thought that was a little weird. But overall, except for that weird scoring thing, the actual game was great.
0: I'd, I'd never played before, um, and so that was a bit of a, a culture shock uh, to jump in on it. But again, because of the nature of the game and the way it was represented, it was really easy to just play it. I, I didn't necessarily know what I was doing, uh, but I was able to just jump in and play because it was obvious how you did things. And it, 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 I knew what I had to do, even though I didn't know what I was doing in the game. And I came you in could second, play. Not and, I, play and I well. came in second, so that's just my yep. uh, my skill on uh, play well the first time, no matter what. I had terrible
1: edge boards It wanted me to build so many chickens. It's terrible. All right, next is Yinch. This is an abstract game from the GIF series. We played this on Bois de Joux. Uh, This was the first game I ever loaded on Bois, and I almost never went back. This is an ugly abstract version of an already ugly abstract game they somehow made worse. Uh, I guess it worked. Like, if it, it, like, we were able to play. That's about the best I could say. For some reason, every time you clicked, it reloaded your entire window. Uh, things were jumpy. Uh, I On a positive note, I like Ian Chinch's, I, I like all of the GIF series of games. It One of those games we probably should have played a second time, just because once we got the system, I'm like, oh, I can see this is a really good abstract game. But I didn't want to play it on Bois de Joux again.
0: Yeah, great game horrible way this is the one that we thought that i i feel like you know could have been programmed by a grade 12 student as their class you know year-end project and they probably would have gotten a good mark but i wouldn't have released it professionally (laughs) no it's yeah it was a
1: little rough Uh, up next attica deanna and i played this on yukata um this was weird because everything else i played on yukata were scanned and this was not. This was completely abstract. It looked nothing like the actual board game version. Like, yeah, there were hexes, but like all of the tiles were represented different. You didn't even have cards, even though you're supposed to have cards. Instead, it just had numbers. Like, it, it looked completely different. It didn't even look like a game of Attica, except I had a hex board in front of me. But it played exactly the same. And it worked really well in a way that I almost think it was smoother than playing the board game. It just you lost the the graphic look. But with that, you also lost all of the theme. Like you just built something that said the word aqueduct on it. what I think is really ironic about that is they just republished Attica as US Telegraph, where you are building telephone lines instead of Greek temples. So game never really had much of a theme in the first place, I guess. So it worked. But actually on Yukata, it played great. It just didn't look at all like I expected it to. But mechanically, it worked awesome. Up next is Immotep. Sean and I actually played three games of these because I was uh, having a hard time trying to figure out how to get Yukata to work and started three games when I was trying to start in one. Uh, this was, everything was scanned in. Like they scanned the boards, they scanned the boats. I almost swear they scanned the cubes because like, even the brown squares weren't quite square. Uh, very intuitive. Like if you knew how to play Immotep, you knew how to play this one. It was perfect. Like the, there was nothing nothing really wrong. Uh, there was some stuff that was a little hard to see, but you could zoom. Yeah. Uh, it played well. Like, uh, this this for me like when i play this at yukata i'm like okay yukata is impressive this is this it really shows off what yukata can do when it does it well
0: absolutely and and Imhotep is a great game for this because it's one of those games where you don't need to teach like you don't need to watch a whole actual play video everything about the game is so intuitive and obvious that when you just put it down in front of someone it it works and so the board game that you know online they just put it down in front of you and it just works. It, it, you know, really well, really well done. Uh, an excellent way to show off Yukata is with Imhotep.
1: Then because we played Imhotep 2 player, which isn't great to be honest, but that's not a fault of Yukata. Nope, we decided to try Imhotep the duel. Now, neither Sean nor I have ever played this. And I got to say, it seemed very well done. Uh, it showed off how nice it is to have the rules up while you were playing. So that was one of the games you could bring them up, which helped me read through it. My only complaint about this one is that I didn't I didn't find that Imhotep the Duel felt like Imhotep. And right now, I'm kind of glad I didn't pick up the physical version because it just didn't catch me the way Imhotep did. But that has nothing to do with Yukata. Yukata's yeah. implementation was great. I'm just not sure if I actually like Imhotep the Duel.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I, I, I see why they call it Imhotep the Duel. Um, I can see the vague relation to Imhotep, but I prefer Imhotep. And even though I don't like Emotep at two players. I think I liked Emotep at two players better than I liked Imhotep the Duel.
1: Yeah, I, I felt kind of the same. Like, I, I'm willing to give it another shot. Maybe we'll try another game at some point. Yeah. But I don't know. It felt more like Zularetto of all games. Like, it was very different. Up next mm-hmm. is a game called Hacienda. This is on Yukata. And this is a game that uh, Deanna and I have been advocating for since finding it at the Harry Tarantula upstairs in Toronto and being convinced to buy it by one of the the shopkeepers there, and it ended up being fantastic. Now, despite looking like the game, it's kind of ugly. It's like the the scans aren't good enough, and it was a mix of scanned items and non-scanned items, so that was a little weird. It just wasn't the prettiest game, but the gameplay was perfect. It was solid. It worked great. And this board game is a hidden gem. Like, it's neat to find a copy Hacienda. It's one of those games that's in our collection no one's heard of, and everyone we show it to is like, wow, that's actually really good. And then speaking of hidden gems, I also got to play Igizia with Sean and I on Yukata. Uh, Igizia was the biggest hidden gem in my collection for a long time. It's, it's been long out of print, going for silly money online. And that all finally changed. The Stronghold Games kickstarted a new version, which I think is finally getting out to stores now. I haven't tried this. The Yukata version is very much the game I own from Hansen Glick or um, Rio Grande put it out in North America. It looks and plays exactly like... like like exactly like the board game. There is there is no difference from my game downstairs to what was on my screen. It really looked like the exact same game. And I got to admit, I still love it. Sean had a little difficulty with it. <laughs> yeah. But I, lo- I love that game. And it is a great implementation to the fact that I may not need my copy downstairs because they did such a good job of how they tracked everything. Yeah.
0: Uh, my only complaint is, again, don't learn games online or try and learn games online for me. Doesn't work well. Mistakes were made.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah mistakes we're, we're playing through the game just to finish the game off but that's all right if you know Agizia, it's a great implementation of it i knew how to play so I'm, I'm guessing the rules aren't too clear on which end of the river is at least the start of the end all right we got three more we're gonna hit through these so we mentioned this when we were talking about the different sites in dungeon lords on what i gotta admit i was starting to be pretty unimpressed with what until we played dungeon lords this is a great implementation of the board game and you know what, so, uh, Dungeon Lords is a fiddly game, there's lots of little pieces that you have to put in spots, and it's a worker placement, you gotta track your your imps, and you gotta remember when you buy a troll, you get a troll figure, and you gotta put them on the right spot of your board, it's just fiddly, and there's different things you gotta flip over in the right order, and it was so nice to have the interface handle all of that, like it was fantastic for that. Now if only I could remember how to play the game because well I finished with minus five points after our first game but that part was rough but that I can't blame on Boitajou
0: I I thought the uh, the concept of the game was cool I'd never played it before I didn't know really anything about it. I just wanted to try a dungeon game uh, when I when I read the concept of it and again I even though I wasn't understanding completely because again a lot of iconography and things. It was very helpful in what it was doing, and it was making sure that I didn't make stupid mistakes and, and click on things when I should have done something else. Uh, again, yeah, the, the two-player implementation is a problem, but again, that's the game. That's not Poitajou. That's just how the game plays with two players.
1: Yeah, it's one of those games where you each control two characters, sort of. Yeah, You just take up worker placement spots to make things harder. All right, next, Zolkin, uh, the Mayan calendar on Board Game Arena, because I didn't want to just start talking about the new sites. I wanted to try some other stuff. And this is very well done. Again, it looks like the physical game. They even bothered to um, animate the wheel when it spins. They did a really cool job with the gears. Uh, it looks and plays like Zolkin. It's Zolkin. At, at, I could play my game downstairs, or I could play this one. At, Yes, I like touching physical components, but it was very well done. Tracked everything. Absolutely zero complaints about Zolkin on Board Game Arena. And my final one is Town Center from Bo- Bois on Joux. So Town Center is a game that I love and half the people I show it to hate. Uh, 25% of the people who don't hate it just don't get it. And the other 25% love. So... It is a real mixed bag. This is a very unique game from Capstone Games where you're building a city, a metropolis, by cubes. And there's this really weird thing. They call it organic growth, where if you put two office buildings next to a residential, the residential will grow and you get to put a cube on for free. And it's a spatial game and you got to think about how we think. It's a really neat game. I love it because it's so unique. The thing is... It is not easy to teach and it's easy to miss things, to, to to grasp that whole organic thing. And so many times I'm playing the game, it's like, oh, wait, that should have grown or that shouldn't have grown or wait, this didn't have power or oh, your elevator didn't have power. And it was so nice to have that where the computer did all that work it was really nice. Now, I tried this one solo. Um, if I was ranking on Board Game Geek, I played five times, but man, like I need to review the rules just because it's been a while, so I've forgotten somewhat how to play. But it definitely did all that. Like it would do the organic growth. It would be like, oh, your building would grow, and when it grows there, it's now next to this, so it would grow here, and it handled all that for you. To the fact that again, I'm like, I need this in virtual so I can put it on a table so people can see it and it do that math for me to show me what to do. Like I, I want it. I want an AR version of Town Center based on the Botoju. And what was nice is here again Botoju with the the range it looked better than my board game because in the board game they're just cubes whereas on Botajou it made it look like different things like the, the the power center looked like a power center and the uh, the parking lot looks like a parking lot and the elevator looked like an elevator so i was a nice touch like it, had, it it's actually the opposite of the other games where it looks better than my physical version
0: well now how about a look ahead what do you have planned for the coming week
1: Well, now that we have three sites to choose for, I see more online gaming in my future, though I don't know about doing multiple games on multiple sites. That's a little disconcerting, we've noticed, (laughs) because the interface being so different. Deanna's obviously feeling better, so there'll probably be some two-player games in our future. I need to get plays of uh, Fox in the Forest done. I did want to do some unboxing, but there's a reason I'm going to put those off on hold for now. So probably some online gaming, maybe some physical gaming. We'll see. Nothing, obviously no events going on or anything big. Uh, We are going to be playing a game with a patron on Sunday. So looking forward to that.
0: Well, now a quick shout out and a thank you to some of our VIP guests. Our Patreon backers, we greatly appreciate their support.
1: Misdirected Mark. Join the Misdirected Mark team every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern as they talk games and games mastering. Evil John, looking forward to our game on Sunday. Wayne Humphrey, Thanks, Star Wars guy! Roger Malosh, Thanks, Roger! Zopi! Thank you! Well, that was the double bell. That means my shift's coming to an end, and we're gonna have to lock those front doors.
0: Though the doors to the lobby are closed, you can always find us across the web and social media as TabletopBellhop, one word. Drop by our website at TabletopBellhop.com for more gaming content. Uh,
1: If you like the content we're providing and would like to support our efforts, please consider tipping your bellhop at patreon.com slash tabletopbellhop.
0: Remember to join us here on Twitch every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern and watch for the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast to hit your podcatchers in YouTube at 2 a.m. every Tuesday. Well, that about wraps up the time we have for the show tonight. For those of you here live, thank you for joining us and be sure to stick around and join us in the penthouse suite for the after show. For Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I'm Sean. And I'm Mo. Thank you. And Game on. Graphic design by Brian Weiss, RPG and Co. Music is Nimbus by Evening Land. The podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license.